Hello and welcome to the 1-1, your West Australian racing podcast. I am BJ Ryan. Episode 47 is proudly sponsored by our friends at Betfair. Don't bet harder, bet smarter with Betfair. And fresh off a weekend full of intelligent punting, it's the one and only Perth racing guru, Terry Layton. G'day, Terry. G'day, BJ. It's uh, it's lovely to be here. I'm excited to be here. We've got a bit of enthusiasm after a, uh, well, it was in- intelligent punting from uh, from a few of us, but I think you had a pretty big day on Saturday as well, didn't you? You didn't back too many uh, too many losers. Yeah, started started well, got a, got a decent lead, gave a little bit back late, but uh, no, it was a very enjoyable weekend, which continued on to the Crayfish Coast on Sunday, which was uh, a couple of handy results there too. Terry, my home ground. Yeah, I, uh, I only battled away on the on the Saturday. It's been a story of my year, actually. It's probably been the story of my life to some degree. That uh, my city, my city form is uh, not questionable, somewhat questionable. But um, geez, get me into a deeper country, mate, and oh, oh, party time. Absolutely, uh, laugh it up. Well, just so you know, Albany and Mount Barker are oh, not far away. So. Cannot wait. Hey, cannot wait. God. Cannot wait. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's that's, the, your, uh, that's the heartland, isn't it? Yeah, I've heard there's a race coming up. Um, what's it called? The Railway Stakes, I think it is. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> but uh, there's some there's some maidens at Albany who are coming up, and that's uh, <laughs> that's the old bread and butter. That's what the, puts the food on the on the table for the kids. So yes, yeah, so what a week it has been, Terry. Uh, firstly, we must thank Perth Racing, all the team there, for allowing us to record at Ascot Racecourse last uh, Thursday. Hopefully we can try and uh, record some future episodes on track as well. And we thoroughly appreciated racecourse manager Chris Nation coming on. He uh, he kind of stole the show, didn't he, Guru? Certainly did. Yeah, I uh, found him extremely informative as well, and uh, pretty some frank, honest answers and things that made sense and things that I think that um, us as as punters can can implement going forward and sort of understanding how a pattern and how it will develop throughout the day. And um, yeah, it was just a, a cracking interview. It was good. It came out well. It was well received um, uh, in the one one faithful. So yeah, thanks again to Perth Racing and to Chris Nation. Now both of us we made it out to Ascot on opening day last Saturday, and while headquarters itself was sparkling on a perfect spring day, it was the horse flesh that took top billing, namely superstar filly clairvoyance. Wowee! Wowee! I think that's uh, the best way to describe that. I. Um I wouldn't say I gave her a knock. I just, uh, I just, I'd uh, love to see how she goes. Uh, not finding a rail, and we got our, we got our wish. Um, slightly disappointed. Charlton Eddie didn't try to kick up and um, and lead the race as well. That would have made it extra interesting. But um, yeah, clairvoyance. She's uh, she's pretty smart, isn't she? And just on the footage, she just dwarfed her opposition. Mm. Was it? it was it was glaring? I don't know whether I appreciated it as much, but when she was alongside. Um, Gemma's son on straightening. I was like, gee, we look like a different breed almost. Yeah, she's no, a big girl. She is. You get in trouble for saying that usually, yeah. BJ. You better be careful. <laughs> um, she is a fair old, uh, she's a fair old unit, that's for sure. And um, interesting to hear Darren talk after the race. Um, we heard Travis Murray talk after the race as well, but he was a bit less uh, legible than Darren was by that stage of proceedings. We had a chat to a friend of the podcast and part owner, Travis Murray, later in proceedings. But um, interesting how he um, he mentioned that she's nom for the um, the Guineas and the, the Kingston Town Tour, and he has no real concerns about her getting over that ground. But I would be fairly surprised if it's not a, a pretty simplistic um, winter bottom campaign for her. Mm. Yeah, so I, I I wonder what's next. That would I imagine it would probably be 
be the Belgravia next yep. Saturday mm-hmm. over twelve hundred meters at Ascot. Mm-hmm. Which uh, again, we've got some outstanding three odds, but she she does look the pick of them over the shorter courses at the moment. Uh, She'll sm- start Winks odds in that. Yeah, smash then- smash the clock again. Mm-hmm. 57.5 for the 1,000 after sitting outside leader. Interesting um, from there if she goes for ether or they freshen her up for a wing to bottom. I think option two might be the only go rather than going 12, 14 back to the 12. Yeah. But, um, it'll be interesting I exactly reckon they what might they, have they, a, they might have a throw at the 14 just to see whether – just to just to see well, how she goes. Yeah, she could blouse them. I mean, yeah. the guineas. You got to remember, the guineas is worth half a million. The winter bottom is worth a million. If you win the guinea, she's then going to go to the Kingston Town as as your favourite, probably as well. I'd suggest or close to one of your favourites. Um, but I guess the query with that is is, is does she get out over the journey? Mm. So Darren's pretty convinced she does. Um, that's probably the only thing, and we'll, we'll talk about it later in the show about um about the futures markets. One of my favourite uh, elements to get involved in at this time of the year, and that's probably the one danger um about it. If you were looking at hopping into an early all in price for clairvoyance for the winter bottom, is there could be a late change of heart in what direction she goes. Mm. Interesting. Um, well, imagine having a horse like that. Terry, bloody hell! Mm. Congratulations, to everyone involved, and uh, under twenty grand as well. Yeah, mm. can't can't uh, can't wait to see her later on this campaign, and then hopefully lining up in a group one or two. Um, now it was um, how good was it walking on course, Terry? We've walked into Ascot straight after, basically straight after the wizard William Pike announced himself on the big stage with four winners at Caulfield, including big Group 1 triumphs aboard Her Majesty Arcadia Queen in the Caulfield Stakes and outstanding Colt Ole Kirk in the Caulfield Guineas. Yeah, unreal. Just uh, genuine uh, genuine 10 out of 10 steers. He's a type of jockey that when uh, when he's up and about, confidence is up, he's marching, he's, he's going to be pretty hard to beat. But um, I, uh, I don't really bet over East at all. That is something... Just because Arcadia Queen's been one of my favourites over the journey, one of many of our favourites over the journey, had something very small on her, but the rest of them, I was cheering home as if I'd had the mortgage on them. So I uh, yeah, just thoroughly enjoy seeing William uh, ride, uh, riding like he is over East and finally getting the accolades he deserves. Yeah, everyone had a spring in their step on on Saturday. It was uh, it was a fantastic atmosphere on course and helped um, no end by Pikey and uh, Team Williams and the Cerise and White and just uh, I guess the WA taking on the rest and uh, holding our own, which we always like to see. Now, after his heroics at Corfu last week, Terry, we here uh, this little old podcast. Your WA Racing podcast, just, just, a, one, little, just a little battler out west. Humble little podcast we have here. We just take it one week at a time out here, don't we, BJ? We do. We thought, well, Terry thought we should shoot for the stars and try and get William Pike onto the 1-1. One, one. Now, thanks to his manager, Dale Verhagen, our hero, the wizard, kindly gave up his time for a thoroughly enjoyable chat earlier this morning. So, listeners, here he is, Sir William Pike on the 1-1. One, one. Enjoy. So after tracking his every move since making the journey to Victoria, we are thrilled to welcome the Wizard of the East, William Pike, to the WA Racing Podcast. Welcome, William. Thanks so much for joining us here on The 1-1. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Mr. Pike, um, this is this is somewhat of an honour for me. I'm a little bit uh, starstruck. I've been been running around like a headless uh, chook half the morning. So as a kid, I grew up idolising uh, the king of spin, Shane Warne. He was always my favourite. Well, he was my sporting idol growing up. I was always going to play cricket for Australia. As I've got a little bit older and my passions have changed in life, I think 
I think William Pike's my new Shane Warne, BJ. So uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is a great honour to uh, have you on our uh, podcast, Mr. Shane Pike. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. It's some big shoes to fill there. But, uh, I'll, I'll I've, I've seen you in the uh, the twenty twenty game. You can turn them just about as far, can't you? Uh, yeah, I can. I can bowl a little bit. I can't bat, so and I can't catch apparently either. So, <laughs> well, you basically are warning then. It's it's uh, it's a mirror image. <laughs> yeah. So, Pikey, you've been you've been doing the the rounds this week, obviously since um, just a remarkable riding achievement at uh, Caulfield last Saturday. Four winners, two Group 1s, Caulfield Stakes aboard Arcadia Queen and the Caulfield Guineas aboard Ole Kirk. Um, yeah, your head must sort of still be spinning a bit. Have, have you come to terms with um, just, uh, I don't know, just how how well the whole day turned out for you, what it means for for you and, and the team and the people that you ride for and also what, um, uh, I don't know, if, I'm, I'm sure – you might hope, hopefully you understand just how much it meant to the people of Western Australia. Both Terry and I were out at Ascot Racecourse last Saturday, and the place was just buzzing, rocking, rocking. Uh, thanks in large part to, to you and, and and your successes. Yeah, well, look, um, oh, it definitely was one of my main aims when I came across to represent WA and, and represent well. But to have the day that I had was um, I, you couldn't really plan that, and it mm. went better than I could have expected. Uh, it probably started a week before or a fortnight before. I had really good rides, much the same. was really hoping for a breakout day, and I come away without a single winner. So when I went to when I went to the Caulfield Guineas Day, uh, for it to actually come off was a it was a not so much a relief, but I, I don't know. It was just a very satisfying day for me, and just to come away with like two Group Ones, which was unbelievable for me as a, as a person and a rider uh, you know, to, to get two in a year is very tricky to get two in a day is unbelievable <laughs> uh, and especially coming from WA where we only have three a year and, and you know on, on the single day they had four and and yeah the, the, the opportunities were there and, and I was actually given some very good opportunities and I was just very glad I was able to make the most of them opportunities and and repay people's faith like being giving a guineas favour as a pickup ride, um, I never expected to be in a position like that. Yeah, I, yeah. As I said, Ascot, everyone was smiling and and everyone couldn't believe, you know, Pikey and uh, and obviously Arcadia Queen. It was just it was such a thrill for us WR Racing fanatics. But as I said in the, in the intro, we've been tracking your every ride basically since you since you went to to Victoria, and there was and as you said before, there's. There was a couple of days on paper where it looked like you were just going to tear it up. Um, there's a one day at Flemington where you, you ran, you, I think you won on Doubtland, the Danehill Stakes, and you won a, ran a few placings as well. And it was like you're almost there. And then obviously that day at, at Caulfield a couple of weeks ago um, when you rode Superstorm in the Rupert Clark, it was a bit one of those days as well. Um, yeah. It's almost like the planets just aligned for you on Saturday, and um, and it was almost like the tempo suited you of the races, the way the track was playing. Just it was just it was just all there for you, and you, you cashed in big time. Yeah, that's right. It was kind of just one of those days where you go, oh, oh, it was my day today. Um, like, and like I said, it was probably one of the first days. I said before the track was playing really well, but it was also one of the first days I've ridden here where there wasn't a huge factor outside of the track itself in other days there's been some really windy days there's been like rain it, it, 
rain for a couple of days leading up and then the sun had come out and we'd end up with a really fast, good three and and things like that where last weekend it was just, it was, I don't know, it just seemed to be if, if you if your horse was good enough and, and you gave it a good enough ride, it was it was able to you were able to get the you were able to have a fair chance. Speaking of the uh, the good rides, BJ touched on uh, the win of Arcadia Queen briefly. Do you ever jump off one um, after the race and go, "Geez, that was a serious ride"? Just give yourself a little pat on the back and go, "Geez, that was some steer, William." Uh, no, I never, I never do that. I never think that way. I'm, I'm just glad to get the job done. Um, but yeah, I was, oh, look, that, with Arcadia Queen, there's probably too many emotions going on to even think about that. I was just that happy for for everyone involved, like the Grant Williams and and Georgia, the the track girl she come across, like everyone that came across, and we're all having our own little meltdowns at different stages leading up to last Saturday, trying to get this elusive Group One. So we're all we all had our own personal battles. So it was all so satisfying for each of us that were here, and I, I was I was happy to be able to bring some relief for them, and and uh, so it was that was bit more personal and so I find it hard to actually reflect on the ride until probably two or three days later when then you I can sit down and look back on it and uh be yeah look back on it that way well it might have taken you a few days to to uh to look back at uh, how uh how classy it was but the as BJ touched on before the entirety of WA, WA knew straight away and uh as we understand the win was a lot more meaningful after um obviously with showmanship um not being able to complete the campaign and showmanship to me looked probably your most likely chance of winning a group one in the uh, in Cerise and White after Regal Power didn't turn up so that's always going to make it that uh that little bit sweeter as well yeah, that's right. He was definitely our pin-up boy and uh, pin-up horse. He, like, honestly, yeah, he, we had no doubts we were going to be able to win a, a big, a big race with him. But unfortunately, he went amiss, and and then Regal Power also he went amiss earlier as well. So it was there were a few frustrating times in there, and um, and things like that. So that's what made Saturday all the more special for me and and the, and the guys that I'm here with. So, yeah, it was, it was just great to, to get that done. But now we've got sort of, I don't know, you can't ever rest on your laurels over here or, or anywhere for that matter. And, you know, we've got Caulfield Cup this weekend and, and Cox Plate the, the following. So we're, we're all pumped up and hoping to try and bring home another one. Yeah, well, we're, we're pretty pumped up too, Pikey. So just on that, well, the team, the team lost Regal Power early doors. Showmanship went amiss. There was, you know, some uh, interrupted preparation for Arcadia Queen and her well-documented uh, feet issues. So, what were you thinking when two of the six and perhaps the, you know, the the best of the lot is struggling with feet issues? You're a long way from home. Three of the six horses that you've gone over there, it, it doesn't look like it's going to happen for them. You're a long way from home, with away from your, your your partner Jess and your kids. What are you thinking at that stage when you're like, gee whiz, it, it might not happen for me this season? Yeah, that, that's pretty much how, you know, I was thinking along those lines. The only thing that kept me sort of hanging in there was, was you're only a plane trip away and I, I know you'd have to go into hotel quarantine, but at, at no stage did I really have to stay. I could could come and go as, as we felt we needed to, but it was frustrating, but I, I was here, for, I was actually, I was committed for a bit of a long haul. I was, I was committed to see how it was going to pan out. Um 
yeah, no, I, was, I suppose right now I'm happy I stuck it out. But, yeah, there's a few moments there where you're wondering whether I probably should have jumped on the plane and come home. I was, it was probably tempting at a few different times. Especially when, you know, the results weren't weren't uh, always going the way that you had hoped. I just, just wanted to just to touch on just a couple of technical questions in regard to adjusting to, to riding in, in Melbourne and, and Victoria. Uh, as I said, we, we watch your rides, you know, stride for stride basically all the time. And in Perth, uh, some of, you know, f- from my point of view anyway, you are able to be- get horses to begin, get them to settle sweetly, conserve so much energy and bring them with a, with a well-timed finishing run. You know the other riders inside out, which I, I tend to think is one of your, your best weapons. You almost know what they're going to do better than what they do. How do you go transferring that to riding against riders who you don't know intimately? And also it feels as though the tempo over there is taking you a bit of a while to adjust to and it feels as though a lot more horses are getting on the bridle for you and, and it, the stop-start nature of what's going over there. It, I've never seen so many horses get really keen with you, if you know what I mean. Is that... Am I yep. off the mark here, or is that, or is that about right? No, nah, you're spot on. I um, it's something I'm really struggling with here, and uh, every time I think I'm getting a bit better, at uh, I'll go back to having one of those days where nothing settles again, and it's very frustrating. I've put my irons up three, four holes, and normally I'm dead against that. I I don't like, but I just feel like I have to, to because I keep losing them mid race. So just Halfway through the race, they'll get their head up and, and start over racing on me. And um, the tempo here really, I, I don't know if they necessarily go any slower overall as far as the clock's concerned, but they really bang them out. And then as soon as they sort of find their positions, they really throw the handbrake on and the pace comes right out of the race. Mm. And you're expecting it and you're ready for it, but it's still just as more than I'm able to handle sometimes. So. Yeah, and it's frustrating for me because I've even had windstorm over racing once or twice, and he just doesn't get on the bridle normally, and it, so it's very frustrating for me. Uh, adjustments are still being made. I'm trying to get prepared for it, but I also think um, uh, I think a lot, lots, a lot of the local horses are probably a bit more attuned to it as well. They seem to they seem to know, whereas I think a few of ours are, they're 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 sort of looking for the pace and the tempo to increase. From the half mile, and then it doesn't. Uh, that's where I come unstuck. So just 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 on that, the the adjustment to your the length of your of your stirrups, what uh, or your irons, what um, was that your idea? Did you get that suggestion from what, some of the other riders? And when when did you finally make that leap and, and make that adjustment? Um, it was my own idea. I think everyone's been telling me my entire life to put them up. So <laughs> um, so I've finally given in about. 18 years later but no look I, I just thought it was something I had to do because even when I'm riding you know, I'm sitting on their backs and and losing control of them constantly and I'm like this just can't keep happening so um I, I, I was putting them up and down up and down the whole time I was here but just recently I've just made the decision to put them put them right up and deal with it basically because it um it, it puts a lot more strain on your hips and and things like that and makes it a bit harder to kick which i like to do yeah that's what i was going to ask you how, how does it impact your you know your time honored your successful riding style especially in that driving finish does that curtail your ability to to do that i, yeah, I suppose it does in a way in a sense of what you're probably used to it does 
But um, my reasoning is probably if I can keep control of the mid-race, well, they should be finishing better anyway. Yeah. Whereas it doesn't matter how hard I can kick and scream and whatever. If they've over-raced for half the race, well, they're just not going to be able to finish. So it's a, it's a bit of a trade-off. Um, maybe if I get comfortable again, they will come back down and you might see the, the kicking come back out. But for the time being, I, I, yeah, they just go that steady. So it, it is racing. I'm not, not saying it's good or bad, but it just is what it is. It's just different, yeah. Yeah, so so growing up a Coolgardie lad, from, from reading a lot of stuff on you, it, it seemed like being a jockey wasn't really part of the plan for you, even though you obviously loved horses and did pony club and all that sort of stuff. Now, most of the jockeys, I'm a son of a jockey, and most of the jockeys that I knew and grew up with always were wanting to win a Perth Cup and they always wanted to win a railway stakes. Always, and then um, the cream on the top would have been to test themselves on the East Coast and win a Melbourne Cup, a Cox Plate or a, uh, or a Caulfield Cup. Tell me if I'm wrong, that sort of stuff, East Coast stuff, it just doesn't feel like it's ever really been on your radar. Is that is that true or false? No, that's very true. I would much – I don't know how, how, how it is, but I'd probably put more um, – I don't know. I would love to win this year's railway coming up as much or if not more than a Melbourne Cup. Uh, it has nothing really to do with money and has more to do with uh, – I don't know, that's – the, the railway states to me is, I suppose, is my Melbourne Cup. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just how I'm, I don't know, it's how I'm wired in my brain. I think um, they're the races I grew up wanting to win and I've won them a couple of times and, and still want to win them some more. So What was the process of you agreeing to go to Melbourne and have a crack with um, the Cerise and White with Team Williams? Like that, For me, it just felt like that would have been a major decision for you, Jess, and, and the kids. Like that's, that's a huge leap of faith, like, especially for someone who, as you said, doesn't really is, is keener to win a railway than a, than a Melbourne Cup. Like that seems like a, you know, a big decision for, for you. And what was the thing that really made you take that opportunity? Um, probably mostly because of Jessica. She said, no, you have to go. You have to try. So <laughs> it more comes down to Jess than me, I think. Um, she's, she's an ex-jockey and she she's probably wanting to win all these races that, that I'm in right now and she just said, you've got to go, you've got to try. So it wasn't even really a decision to be made. Uh, it, just, it did seem just the right time if I was going to, you know, like the the Williams team were preparing them and bringing them across. Um, the Cerise and White, which has always been there for me, it, it just seemed the right time to give it a go. Like they were actually bringing a team across and, and having a red-hot crack. And even when I was sort of thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I want to, I had Jess there in my ear basically at all times going, no, you've got to go. <laughs> so that was the main voice of reason was Jessica making me go. She wanted me out the house, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're choiceless then. Happy wife, happy life, as they say. Yeah, that's right. Well, we're definitely, definitely missing you uh, out west, William. But I tell you what, it adds a, uh, it adds a fair bit of excitement to the Melbourne card. A lot of us uh, form analysts over here in uh, WA, we only really 
stick to the uh, stick to the West Australian form. But uh, I know that everybody uh, everybody tunes in uh, for all of your rides in particular, and uh, even if they're not uh, investing, is always riding them home. And the horse might say it's only got 55, 56 kilos on its back, but it's actually got a couple of ton with everyone from WA uh, <laughs> on it with you. But um, one of the things I, I love about your riding um, from an emotional sense is when you cross the line on a horse, whether it be good or bad, there's you aren't someone like a Mitchie Pateman who will stand up in the saddle and say, look at me. Um, but there's always some, there's a little smile on your face. There's a little shake of the head. There might be a little, uh, your head might go down um, on Superstorm, I think a couple of starts ago when you, you, you felt maybe you, um, you could have found a, a gap a bit earlier. Um, but I, I love the emotion as you go across the line. You can really see how much it means to you. Yeah, it's probably one of my best and worst assets. Um, <laughs> it's like... Uh, yeah, I try, I try not to get too leerizing and things like that. Uh, I, but at the same time, I can't help but let a bit of a groan out or something if I've uh, if I've messed it up. So uh, yeah, there's definitely been a few of the head down ones. And like I said, uh, Saturday was a whole lot of turnaround. I'm probably at this moment I'm living off of off of that day where it was just a breakout day and the emotions were all positive. So it was definitely nice. So j- just on that, it was. It's been fascinating watching, um, the, especially the the team Williams horses adjust to Victoria, but also the way that you guys have sort of plotted their their campaigns. Um, Windstorm, for example, we went to Flemington. We all thought he w- he was going to win. You sort of put him in a spot. He he got a bit bit keen on you. You produced him, and he just didn't quite finish off as well as you'd hoped. And then the next start. You make that adjustment. You come back a pair, save him up, and he and he has that sensational um, four hundred meter burst to to win at Caulfield. And the same with Arcadia Queen. It feels like you used your gate uh, two starts ago. You're up inside Russian Camelot. You couldn't come back out and around. And for me, when I was watching that replay, I was like, I bet you Pikey wished he was one one in that situation, so he could have come followed Russian Camelot, come back around his heels and outside of heels and had a crack at him late. And then you made that adjustment on Saturday and, and it was everything was able to, to go to plan. It's um it's been yeah, it was really fascinating to watch the mechanics and, and the adjustments of tactics that you've you've been able to make successfully, um, especially over the last month or so. I'd like to pride ourselves on that we always are learning and um I suppose like we're we're always learning. I suppose more so now than ever. But at the same yeah, at the same time, you've got to be open-minded enough to see it. And I do think that's one of our main strengths over here with the with the Williams team. And uh, yeah, we we like everyone knows how the, the Peters horses sort of are, how they like to be ridden and things like that. But we're still very. I think we're pre- we're pretty quick to try and change our tactics when need be and uh, yeah i think that's definitely a big asset we've got here and and i'll tell you what we've had to do some changing while we're over here yeah now before we get into our 10 with terry uh you've got six rides at caulfield tomorrow you've got uh windstorm is on on the quick backup he's um he's well fancied in his race which is the uh the munga stakes which is a group three over 1400 meters and perfect jewel she is uh she is one of the major players in the tristark stakes which is a group two over 1400 as well but you your caulfield cup mount uh, for Hayes and Davening went amiss a couple of weeks ago, but you've managed to pick up 
the the ride on Dallasan for Leon McDonald. Um, now he was a very very good three-year-old uh, South Australian based his lead-up form heading towards the Caulfield Cup has been really consistent what um, 52.5 kgs any dramas getting down to the weight and also what are you what are you expecting um, from Dallasan in the big one yeah I'm not as light as I used to be but I still won't have any trouble getting down to 52 and a half uh, I, was, I was about I was just over 53 and a half earlier today um, so it, that won't be an issue for the day. And look, I was pretty happy to pick up this ride after previous ones went amiss, and and there's been a few in the works throughout the few weeks, and uh, nothing quite eventuated. And then Dallas Sand come along, uh, pretty happy riding. I've been been having all. I've always actually this is a horse I've actually bumped into quite a lot. Every time I've come over, I've actually seen him race a lot, and I've always been in in a lot of his races. So I actually know the horse reasonably well from obviously from a, sitting on, off a, on another horse. But his runs have been great. He's been beaten, I think, less than a length just recently at his last start and a length and a half the start before. So he's really mixing it. And with similar horses to what's in these fields now, they're um, like you're very elegant. And so he's beaten, I think, under a length by a very elegant last start. We go up to the 2,400, which I think is probably a little bit more – in his alley, he's he's a stayer and and a, and a good stayer at that. So, I'm I'm really looking forward to the ride. The barrier's come up a bit sticky. We drew 14, so that that's a little bit sticky. Would have liked a nicer alley and been able to park just behind them without doing any work. But just the barrier probably means at some stage we're going to have to do some work, whether that's early or, or late. Um, but outside of outside of that I'm pretty happy to be riding like as I said I think very against the race favorite and we're only beaten about half a length last start by it so we're in, we're in a good position and, and it's a very nice horse to be picking up 100% so you've got Dallasan in the Caulfield Cup tomorrow fingers crossed for Arcadia Queen in the Cox Plate now is Shabao still your potential Melbourne Cup mount or is that what what's the what's the story there yeah, well, he hasn't he hasn't been able to gain a, a start in the race. Um, he has one more start before the Melbourne Cup. Still hoping to sneak in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, at this stage he's not qualified. So I'm I'm on the open market, I guess. Yeah, so I imagine that will be that the 2500 meter race on Derby Day a few days before the, the Melbourne start, Cup. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well. Um, yeah, well, all the best for your mounts at Caulfield tomorrow and, and moving forward into the, the really huge days to come. One last question from me. Windstorm and Superstorm are both potentially headed to Sydney for the Golden Eagle, the rich Golden Eagle. Um, Mr. Bob Peters has booked two riders, uh, two Sydney-based riders to ride them. If you weren't in Melbourne uh, and you were headed to, not, not putting you on the spot here, if you were going to ride one of them in the golden eagle who would you have chosen william uh windstorm windstorm yeah i win the battle (laughs) yeah (laughs) we've we've had a long-standing uh long-standing competition who you'd pick out of the two of them or who we thought was the better of the two and i loved how quick you answered that too so um (laughs) perfect it feels as though superstorm's looking for a bit further do you feel that or is the 1500 meter golden eagle going to be all right for him i think the 1500 is all right uh he, he probably raced a smidge 
flat the other day because he, he on the short back up coming back in distance. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with Superstorm. I think we haven't quite got him right this time round. We, we, you know, we, we short distances and then we went, like we went 11, 14, 2000 and then backed back up into a mile. mile. Yeah. We've probably made him look a little bit plain this time around. So there's no worries about him. But my main reasoning for Windstorm is he's winning and he's winning right now. And winning form is always is always good. It doesn't it doesn't really matter in my mind. If you're winning, you just seem to always perform a little bit better than when you're not. And yeah, I think that's that's Windstorm. And and Windstorm, he himself has actually improved since being here. He's had to probably go to a new level fitness wise and and be a bit more adaptable. And I just like the way he's progressed, Windstorm. Excellent. Well, well thanks for the the heads up and the early mail on the the Golden Eagle. And now, Pikey, I'll just throw you to Terry Layton for our very popular 10 with Terry. <laughs> Not a problem. All right, Mr. Pike. So you've won Perth Cups. You've won Railway Stakes. You've won All-Star Miles. We can tick them off the bucket list. But now, finally, you can tick off the uh, the 10 with Terry, which <laughs> would probably be above the, the three of those, I'd suggest. So you're ready to go? Yep, ready to rock and roll. All right. Question one. Who is the favourite horse you've ever sat on? My favourite horse I ever sat on? Yeah. Elite Bell. I knew the answer to that, I think, going into that one the too. The Pogo Stick. Yeah, the Pogo Stick. Okay, <laughs> who was the favourite horse you've ever sat on that wasn't in the Cerise and White? It wasn't in the Cerise and White? Oh, goodness me. I don't know if I've got one. That's a good um, question. Who would, I don't know. I, I haven't really built up enough an association. Who have I got? No, nah, I haven't got one, mate. Probably Ole, uh, Ole Kirk after Saturday. Yeah, that's yeah, that's we'll so, yeah. Ole Kirk. Ole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, that's an easy answer. I'm sure there's one there, but you've put me on the spot and I can't think of one. <laughs> uh, that's the idea of 10 with Terry. There's a few more coming too. Uh, so you were the number one jockey in WA. Um, you're now the number one jockey in Australia. Uh, how long till we um, can call you the number one uh, jockey internationally? Oh, no, no, I think um, moving to Melbourne felt like enough of going to another country. So, I think, so we're not going to see what Royal Ascot's saying? Nah, no way. I think I'll, I'll hang around and annoy you running WA for a while yet. <laughs> okay, I like that. I actually don't mind the sound of that. Uh, one thing I absolutely love about your riding uh, is your ability to believe you can win from anywhere. Um, but I just want to take you back to one particular ride in particular. It was the 2016 Ted Van Heemp Stakes where the flying Frenchman, Matthew Autier and Fathoms of Gold put up about 25 lengths on the field and uh, said au revoir on the bend. Um, you were on perfect reflection that day, and this was actually another one of those days where I loved your reaction over the line. Did you genuinely you believe you could win that at the top of the straight? No. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, with, with this recent success out east, um, there is a rumour you're asking people to start calling you Sir William Pike. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not true, but it might be. I might might have to start it up. That's a good idea. Okay. All right. Well, after I get a Caulfield Cup this week, we'll be choiceless, I think. So I'll come across there and personally knight you. Probably the most important question I ask on each podcast, William, is uh, how do you feel about pineapple in your steak sandwich? Have you ever tried it? Pineapple? Yeah, that's good, especially if you cook it first. Oh. <laughs> He's our man, isn't he? Christ. My heart, just, my heart just skipped a beat. Uh, the peak of their powers these four horses these three horses sorry over a mile wait for age who wins delicacy perfect reflection arcadia queen arcadia queen uh, in a a hand canter in a canter hard held waving to the crowd she's she's just another level you just look at her she's huge she's strong and she feels like she can do anything so i I couldn't see any 
any get any getting nearer. Let's yeah. get on for the uh, I like Cox that. Plate. I, I like the sound of that. Uh, in your absence, who would you class as the number one hoop in WA? And remember, they're all listening. Uh, yeah, the number one hoop, or just my, uh, as in. Give me both. Give me your your opinion. Who's the number one? What uh, you can you can justify your reasoning. I don't let most people do that, but you're you're royalty, so you can do whatever you want. To be honest. Right. Yeah. My my favourite rider back home is Alan Kennedy. I reckon he rides a lot okay. like me, and he doesn't change. And why that is is because he doesn't change how he rides when he's on a chance or in a big race. He leaves. He, if they've got to be left alone, he leaves them alone. Doesn't get sucked into going. Oh, this is a chance and niggling them up and edging them along. So I always liked him that way. But and also the best the, the the guy taking all the accolades at the moment is Chris Parnham. He's absolutely flying and. How yeah, can you knock him? He's he's probably as he's going. He's he's set to break all my records uh, with his first first go with me not being there. So he's low level flying. There's a chance he might be Bob's number two when you come back. I've been uh, hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I might have to. I might have to start begging for some scraps. <laughs> <laughs> all right, two to go. Uh, I reckon you've done more media and social media stuff in the last few weeks than you have in your entire career. Um, are we likely to see you take up a full time gig? post-retirement on Sky Racing or as a pundit or something of that nature? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, look, it's it's something that sort of I've, I've done since I've been here, trying to promote myself a little and, and things like that, but it's not something I'm comfortable with and definitely not something I want to start doing full-time. It's it's far too exhausting worrying about everybody else and, and all that stuff. It, when I get back into my little niche, I'll be back to worrying about me and and. Me and my life. Just turning the phone off. Yeah, pretty much. I Just t- t- telling Julio Santarelli to piss off. No, no more interviews, Julio. I've had enough. Go I tell, away. I'll tell you what, Mikey, you might not enjoy it that much, but we love it. We are loving it. Goodness me. Uh, and finally, William, in the uh, in the WA or even over in the Eastern States, uh, Jockey Room, who's the biggest pest? Who's the biggest pest? Um, or probably goes you, the, in the Jockey WA room, did you say? Yep. Or, or over here? Oh, e- either either. In general, who'd be oh. the biggest pest? I, well, I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Mitchell Pateman, especially after he's ridden a winner or two, and if he's ridden three, well, you might as well go sit outside because you won't get the word in. So, that's, yeah. That, that's about how it is at home. Mitchie yeah. Payton was a dollar oh one to win that. Oh wasn't it? yeah, it was very yeah. short price. Yeah, <laughs> the punters were climbing into any price available. <laughs> Mitchie Payton. All right, Pikey, that brings us to the end of ten with Terry. Thanks for being a good sport and uh, thoroughly, uh, thoroughly uh, enjoyed uh, some of your answers there. No, not a problem, guys. Thanks for having me, and hopefully, fingers crossed, I can keep uh, keep the success going and and grab one of these major group ones. It'd be be a nice. Uh, Way to finish. 100%, Pikey. And uh, win, lose, or draw, uh, yourself, Team Williams, and and uh, everyone over there uh, is much loved and has uh, the weight of, uh, I suppose, all of WA behind you, cheering you guys on. So congratulations on all your successes thus far. And you're always welcome uh, around my house for a uh, steak sandwich with plenty of pineapple <laughs> on it too, Pikey. <laughs> Beauty, not a problem. I'll take you up on that. And uh, all the all the best for uh, for tomorrow and and the future future meetings, Pikey. Uh, yeah, we're all cheering for you, mate. No, thank you very much. And and it's actually that's something that I did find just quickly on the way out. So I'm support. I've got a lot of support from back home, and and I actually really appreciate it. And I was surprised myself how much I enjoyed having uh, my friends and family along for the ride when they'd message me, and 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 a few people messaged me that 
wouldn't normally expect and it's actually nice having them along and I was surprised in myself how much I enjoyed having other people along for the ride. So that's one positive about the social media, I guess. Excellent. Yeah. Well, as I said, we're we're loving your your presence, your 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 interviews, um, that the the um, the video call you did by yourself after you rode four winners at Caulfield last Saturday was was a classic. I just don't think you could even believe what you'd achieved, and it was hard to put into words. But um, especially one thing that that we um, the internet has just blown up and has just loved. Uh, Facebook and Twitter has been your post-race video analysis. Um, that's been a really impressive insight into um, your your riding and and the craftsmanship of 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 being a jockey or elite jockey. So we thank you so much for giving us a, some insight and letting us into your world briefly. No, not a problem. I, I, I do try, but um, it's it's definitely very tricky that stuff. Um, not something I'm that used to. So we'll, we'll keep trying and hopefully we'll keep producing. Good content for you. Uh, you're underselling yourself, Pikey. You're a natural. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you. Good luck on the weekend. See you, Pikey. Thanks, Pikey. Much appreciated, mate. Nah, not a problem. Beautiful. Thank you. See ya. Okay, it's time to partner with Betfair and preview Northerly Stakes Day. We're recording at 11.55am on Thursday, the 15th of October. Northern racing in the Avon Valley this afternoon. We're about to launch into Saturday's excellent nine-race program. Cup day in the Goldfields town of Leinster on Saturday. Also, while the and sorry, the Kalgoorlie season starts to wind down with a seven race card on Sunday. I think we might have peaked early in this show though, BJ, with uh, having Mister uh, Mister Pike, and we almost should have had him on at the end because I feel like I've, I've ran my race now. <laughs> I feel like uh, there isn't much. Uh, there's not much venom left in me. The heart's probably going a, a million miles. It was good, ago. wasn't it? It was. It was uh, absolutely cracking. Uh, he's a he's a good sport, Mister uh, Mister Sir. Sorry, Sir William Pike. He's a, he's a very good sport, and um, yeah, just uh, wish him only the best for this weekend. We'll be cheering extra hard now. Yeah, I feel like uh, we now that he's one of our yeah. own, you know, yeah. him and Mike Sandy just said they're just <laughs> it's two peas in a pod. So we, uh, I'm yeah. not happy with Mike actually. Not happy with Mike <laughs> at that? all. He knocked me off oh, yesterday. Yeah, me, me too, actually. Oh, on red yeah. alert, got yeah, bloused by Denim Pack. Lucky Lacta and Magic Mike. Have a look at his record. Denim Pack's won, I think, four of 735 starts or something, but with Lacta. On, I'm pretty sure it's four starts, two wins, two seconds. We need to confirm that stat. But the horse, it's there is a real. I think sometimes it's we forget how much. There, yeah, there is a real synergy. Sometimes we uh, we don't quite give credit how much certain horses agree with certain jockeys, and um, that's probably the most famous partnership in in Western Australia, Lactar and Denim Pack. Mm, yeah, well. I'll give them credit for, for the win. It still stings, especially at the um, the $15 on red alert. But regardless, um, yeah, we thoroughly enjoyed chatting to, to Pikey and I hope the listeners did also. Lots of fun. And I uh, felt like we could have we could have kept going for the whole show. Um, but um, had to uh, had to let him go. Terry had a few more questions up his sleeve that he wanted to ask as well, which would have been a bit of fun. But we can save some of them for uh, for next time. Next hopefully. time, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah, let's declare it next time definitely. So, um, what did, he de- did he declare us anything? Arcadia Queen wins a Cox Plate. Windstorm wins a Golden Eagle. Dallas Sand wins a Caulfield Cup. Yeah, basically declared the and three, it, didn't he? Yeah, it sounds. I like, like reading between lines. And it sounds like he wants to be back in Perth in time to win another railway stakes. Well, to me, it sounds like he wants to be back in Perth in time for a bit of a steak sanger with uh, <laughs> with extra pineapple. But so, how was his reception to that? <laughs> Tell you what, all these lads that are be bloody throwing it out, leave it on their plate. If it's good enough for uh, for Sir William, it's good enough for you, lads. Hundred percent. 
Stay tuned throughout the show for info on how you can enter the Mundaring Hotels WA Racing Mastermind Competition and the Market City Meets Get Out Stakes. BJ. Okay, so my market preview, the leg up, was released at 7 a.m. this morning on bestbets.com.au. can also be viewed on the Ozrace website. While Terry and Daniel Cripps combine forces for the Wild West, a video preview uh, also available on the Betfair Hub. That's betfair.com.au. How uh, is the Guru and Cripper tracking in the Betfair Origin Challenge? We are taking it one week at a time. Uh, our problem is, and in Perth, I think it's more pronounced in Perth. I don't follow the betting moves over east as much. But um, the problem is when we – because we're, we're working on the strategy that when we agree on one, that's our sort of our whack. So last week we had the eight units on um, – eight units on – what was the first win? A Lord Lonsdale. Yeah. Um, but the problem is we're, we're hoping, you know, the 320, 330, Holds 350 up. it is at the time, and we're getting given 222, Betfair SP. So we're 33 units behind. There's two weeks to go. We're going to need to find something at five, six, seven to 1 for a full stake or, or something. Something of that nature. So look for a bit more aggression this week, I think you might find, BJ. All right. So everyone, you can follow follow the Sand Gropers in action in the Betfair State of Origin Challenge on Twitter. Now, also, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you download Betfair's new mobile app for iOS and Android users released a couple of weeks ago. Very impressive tool. Sharpen your edge with the latest from our friends at Betfair. Also, the 1-1 one, one is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all other major podcasting platforms. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Northerly Stakes Day, Ascot, Saturday, October 17. What do you reckon, Terry? Let's get cracking. Yeah, it's getting serious now, isn't it? Okay. Rail is out five metres. We're expecting a maximum of 26, 27 degrees. Sunny, sunny. A uh, few easterlies floating around. Yeah, there is a few easterlies floating around. Um, that should swing by very, very early afternoon to a southerly. Um, but the warmer conditions, the five metre pad. We're going to back Chrissy Nation. We saw a um, we saw him out at the eleven metre pad yesterday on Wednesday. Um, the first few, they went mad and horses made ground, and then we saw leaders win. Um, so look, I'm going to I'm going to back him in early days that we're going to have a nice fair track. But you always need to allow um, for there to be a fairly strong bias if there's any type of easterly in place. So keep an eye for that, especially early in the yeah. day. Yeah. Also, the jockeys react to that that bit of breeze. Pointing in the easterly direction on a warm Ascot day, it encourages leaders to go fast. So hopefully, um, yeah. That's why you often see towards the end of the day the, that sort of overcorrection. Uh, overcorrection and you, um, especially because towards the end of the day, you've got the bigger fields too. So there's more of a chance of them uh, running each other into the ground and something storming over the top. So that can, um, the pattern can be nullified by the way the race is run towards the end of the day. But uh, especially early, um, you want to be close to them, I reckon. Yeah, agree. Race one, Oktoberfest, handicap. They, they're throwing a 2,200-meter race to get us underway on Northerly Stakes Day. Terry and, um, yeah, one of our uh, old faithfuls, not so faithfuls, without reason goes around. Um, I think we've combined on this horse a few times unsuccessfully. I wonder if uh, Saturday will uh, will be the day for him to get back in the winner's circle on a, on a uh, Metropolitan meeting. He did win Belmont midweek at three starts ago. Form since has been good. He'll face stiff opposition from the likes of Bollinger Boy and uh, and a couple of others. And, of course, Jeanbeau 
which uh, knocked him off at Jean Biao. Jean Biao, which, Jean Biao, which knocked him off at Northern um, last start. But uh, I'm leaning towards without reason. What are your thoughts, Terry? Uh, I think without reason is a uh, is a walking moral, a running moral. BJ, I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna put our cash in. We're gonna a bit of a spoiler. Alert. We're gonna get the best in and out first race of the day. I um I think without reason is no messing um, around. No messing around. No, let's build a bank and give it all back um, throughout the next eight races after this. Uh, this uh, I don't I don't think this is very deep at all. Um, the only horse I have any concerns about before I touch on without reason is uh, is Aragain, but it's difficult to have Aragain after the performance we saw last time. Uh, they, they were plain, plain yeah, plain. I was a little bit plain at Jane, um, a little bit error plain. Mm-hmm. But we um, – that's all I had, by the way. I was running out of uh, – <laughs> I was running out there. What about Araplane? Yeah, Araplane. That's yeah. that's very good. That's the pick of the throw as well. Uh, but the uh, the issue with Aragon is uh, Araplane is to um, forgive that last run. Kira goes back on, which is obviously a massive uh, a massive bonus. But yeah. Aragon's been up for a while now, so happy to uh, happy to look to take on Aragon. Oh, I just think, without reason, is the horse with the most scope here. Um, even going back to his three year old. Um, Efforts in the features in the Derby and fifth in the Derby behind Regal Power. All staying efforts this time in have been huge. Um, that effort when defeating Treat Yourself three starts back was just a it was just a dominant win, yeah. uh, a dominant win on a hot tempo. Then came out without reason. I think I think we'd both agree is a horse who you don't want to see held up and then try not to a, sprint over not the last couple of hundred. So no. big, big. I call him a big loping grey. Um, and and that's what happened uh, a couple of starts back. Geordie Turner was a victim of barrier one, and it's, it's not a barrier you probably want to get uh, with this fellow. But he went forward, ended up getting shuffled back, um, shuffled back worse in midfield by the turn, flashed late. Look, it's the fact he's flashing late shows you probably how well he's going because he's not the type of horse that I think is going to do a great deal of flashing. He's more of a grinder. Mm-hmm. Loves 2am, loves a nightclub at 2am, loves a good grind. But um, his most recent effort, when beaten by Jean Bao, um, I thought was was arguably the pick of the bunch. Um, they went about twice, plus 12 or 13, I think, above benchmark there with Abel Dane going nuts out in front. Schooling was the horse in second without reason third and because – Schooling was uh, calling an Ola a long way from home, probably a thousand, even longer than a thousand from home. Um, without reason, had to get rolling and cart the rest of the field up on a really, really hot tempo. And it was just the soft run of Jean Bao, um, who was given a 10 out of 10 by Paddy Carberry that day. Um, that allowed um, that allowed her to get past him. Mm-hmm. So, look, I'm expecting aggressive tactics here. May may even lead. Not impossible they find the fence in front of Aragon, but I think the breeze is probably more likely. Slightly slower tempo, but we don't want to go too slow here and i just don't think they see i honestly don't think they see him again four bucks i've marked him two dollars 45 comfortably best of the day comfortably yes i'm with you terry i thought that i thought he was so brave in defeat last start geordie turner forced us to go a touch earlier than what he would have hoped and was exposed in front a long way from home you know it probably cost you the uh the win What's was that? when Darren said he's got a lap full of horse. They always, they always just seem to lose a length when that's said. Thanks, thanks, D Mac. Yeah, and I feel as though that that sort of real searching, you know, tough hit out 
gives him a really good platform to head back to Ascot over 2,200 metres. He's um should be cherry ripe now. I know he, he had the bar plates on earlier in his campaign. They came off. He's hit form. I think he can hold that peak form. And I'm with Terry. I think he's one of the better players of the day as well. Real Ascot horse too yep. as well. Didn't touch on that. Ascot, he's, just, he's going to be the one most benefit from coming back to Ascot. And yeah. um, I reckon he might not just win. I reckon he might win by a couple there. Yeah, I think – Jordan Turner just has to ride him like a real stayer. Yep. None, none of this walk and sprint situation. That's that's probably going to bring him undone. If nothing wants to lead, as te- as um, Terry touched on, Jordy can roll to the front, control things, make it into a staying test, and uh, I think he'll come out on top. Yep, just wins. How's that? We can close her up. Best done. Don't no. worry about the last day. Now. We're, we're all, you can turn off the podcast. We're now, finished up. We are. Uh, what do we got? Race two, uh, the West Speed Platinum Series Heat One. Just the thirty thousand dollar race. This one, BJ. Um, over the twelve hundred meters, I would be surprised here, BJ. If many people are looking outside the two current market elects in rewrite the stars and time to sizzle. Time to sizzle is a really, really interesting runner. Um, arguably has the most scope that is arguably because some of rewrite perform, uh, rewrite the stars performances um have been uh, have been extremely meritorious but uh, you just you get the feeling time to sizzle is the one with probably but just probably that little bit more unknown factor um about her from it'll be really interesting here her first go at the 1200 meters from the wide gate she missed the kick first up um and took a sit and, and won really nicely Question how strong that Dia de la and then Arctic Blue back in third. I, I don't think those form lines are necessarily going to um, be breaking any records here. And from barrier nine, is she aggressive? Is Chris aggressive on her? And do they try and go forward or, or do they take a hold and, and try to cut it up midfield or probably worse than midfield? Initially, I thought that perhaps the, the way that she was written last start was part of a plan to – try and give her a bit more dimensions rather than just a um, freewheeling sort of front-running horse. Uh, however, I'm suspecting that they'll want to go forward. Um, and with that, how much fuel do they want to burn early with the likes of uh, Time to Sizzle and Pink and Grey with an aggressive Chris Parnham coming across? So if they do go forward, do they press on to rail in front or do they – or does Chrissy Parnham hand up to Taj Mali or Pink and Grey or something like that? Yeah. Um, the, speed, the two speed horses, as you said, Pink and Grey and Taj Mali, are drawn directly outside her. So yeah. that probably gives her the option if she does jump. you got to remember in a short, short uh, career to date, she has uh, missed the kick on a few occasions. Has, so yeah. um, Chris Parnham might be choiceless. That's right. So I just feel as though coiled up last start, gee, she's exploded with some brilliant – closing speed however in the in the thousand meter races where she's been ridden for early and middle speed she's um a couple of times she has established a rather large lead and then come back to them alarmingly late i think her last two win, her two wins at ascot in february and march she won oh. by she fell in by 0.1 and 0.4 lengths on those occasions i remember the day baby blues mm. came from Oh, at the 200, probably hopeless. Probably eight. Yeah, I was on Baby Blues that day as well. That's why it sticks in the memory bank. But um, is this this is a favourite we've got to take on? Yeah, at two dollars twenty, this is a favourite we've got to take on. Yeah, for me, I just I feel as like as though she's going to need a full tank of fuel to yep. be able to withstand rewrite the stars if if she's at her peak. And I just feel as though from gate nine, there's there's a chance that time to sizzle might be a bit drained late in the race, which could set it up for uh, a well mapped. Rewrite the stars 
first up from the informed Darren McAuliffe yard. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you here, BJ. I've actually marked rewrite the stars a, um, a slight favourite, knowing that Time to Sizzle would be your favourite. But uh, when I create my markets, I do it on my extremely opinionated opinion rather than uh, rather than what I think the market will be. Rewrite the stars' 11 star career has been littered with. Hard luck stories. I think on debut, um, I think Lucy might have fell on debut, um, or the horse broke down and just just uh, maybe not fell, but just limped over the line, beating about 50, yeah. 60 lengths yep. type thing. Um, last start before a um, a spell uh, in August, uh, the horse wasn't right. Ran a long last. The runs in between are huge. I mean, you've got you got the day Banjo kicked clear and nearly beat Windstorm. You got the day they nearly knocked off Showmanship. Um, one run last campaign, which I don't think probably gets enough uh, credit, is when Chrissy Parnham got held up at all the key moments behind Bright Diamond and Puckapunyal. Yeah. That form is just um, that form's just next level. So for Chloe as a party, she should be able to tuck in here, close to a one-one, mm-hmm. maybe um, within within QE um, of the leaders at least. At worst, you'd, you'd really want her to be one back, but she could be um, she could be two back. But uh, I think rewrite the stars is a horse with a lot of scope. The stable's flying. Um, $4.20 is enough for me. Yeah, Travis Murray factor as well. Oh, exactly. I'll shorten it then, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you, Terry. I think it's, uh, as the market suggests, it's a race in two, but I, I'm uh, I'm confident Rewrite the Stars can can take it right up to time to sizzle and knock her off. Yep, I'm, uh, I'm 100% with you. Let's see if we can agree for the entire card. <laughs> <laughs> race three, the Morley Growers Market Handicap, Special Conditions, 1200 meter race for the three-year-olds now this it's a cracker this is a good one this is a good one we've got some actually the three-year-old ranks are uh, pretty hot at the moment mm. that that midweek race yesterday won by mta empire rain pans down Kalaroo. that was worthy of a saturday so there's, some, there's some real talent around and um there's a few in engaged in this particular race which could go on to be Major players in some feature three-odd events coming up, the um, Belgravia, the Faritha, the Burgess Coin, the Champion Phillies and the Deborah Guineas. So this race yeah, is going to provide – One step further. What's the next one? Kingston Town. There we go. Oh, now mm. we're talking. So this, this is, is going to be a tremendous form reference moving forward into the, into the spring. So, But um, over the 1,200 metres, taking the race on its merits as we, as we see. For me, I was just – and I'm not alone here. Everyone, every man and his dog was really taken with the debut victory of Secret Plan, another of the Cerise and White Peters Investments production line. This three-year-old debuted in devastating fashion, Belmont September 2, coming from last in a field of 12, swept past them, arrogant performance, heavily backed as well, 280 into $1.90. They knew. Um, now, there will be... This is going to be interesting from a speed map point of view. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of recent white horses that got back in smaller fields last week and were still classy enough to win, namely Truly Great and Inspirational Girl. I love there the way were, he rode both of those as well. He, yeah. he, he sort of knew he was at Ascot, didn't want to ride him for luck, knew he was on the best horse and, um, yeah, got him central uh, on straightening and let him do the rest. I think there were eight and nine horse fields. This is mm-hmm. an 11 horse field. So that just adds that one extra, extra pair for Secret Plan to get back from gate nine, but for me, I well, I first of all have a lot of time for kiss on all four cheeks. Friday night, first law. I think either either of those trio could win this without surprising. I think they're all going to develop into serious serious racehorses. But for me, I think Secret Plan can go back from from uh, gate nine. 
Breathing fire with Chris Parnham on board. I reckon we might see a horse arrive, announce himself on Saturday. Secret plant whizzing down the outside. Oh, I am with you. I am. Uh, I always like to play devil's advocate of my own investments as well. And you've yeah. got a that that day that uh, he won like that. You got to remember the middle of the track was um, was where you wanted to be. But geez, it still was fairly impressive, uh, wasn't he? It was. It was the type of win that um, just sort of wound the clock back to a couple of Bob's early season three year olds in um, in years gone by and. And look, I don't know whether um, I don't know whether this bloke's going to end up being as good. But if you look at the uh, if you look at the career paths and career tra- trajectories um, of horses like uh, Arcadia Queen and, and Perfect Reflection, this um, yeah, this does mirror the same type of uh, the same type of setup. So I um, I'm I'm keen. I, I I think the two you need to be brave to take yep. the two dollars forty at the moment. Um, I'd love to see something creep out closer to your three dollar mark because with a back mark, you're always going to need a bit of luck, and especially if that Easterlies in play here at Ascot, it simply could be that um, one of these gets a softer time out in uh, out, out in front but um for those looking to 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 find a bit of value here your value might be playing a kingston town bet on this horse i think um around about 41 dollars is available um of the last six kingston towns how's this for a stat bj five of bobs have started favorite or second favorite so you got tuscan queen started 340 opened 51 to 1 arcadia queen started the dollar 90 opened 41 dollars that's me wiggling my finger, by the way. That was one of my favorite bets of all time. Uh, Perfect Jewel uh, opened $41, started $5.50 second favorite. There was no three-year-olds 2016. And then in 2015, Dispos- uh, Perfect Reflection mm-hmm. started your favorite at $3.50 and won the race over Delicacy. Go back one more year, Disposition started uh, started favorite in the race. Didn't actually win it. I think it ran second. second. Yes, yeah. ran second um, that year. So, And if you want to go a little bit further, this one wasn't Cerise and White, but um, it's a him. Started second favourite the, the previous year as a three-year-old as well. Mm. So it's a three-year-old dominated race. If if one of my favourite punting theories is, and I probably shouldn't be uh, lobbing this away, um, is to try and pick out. And you might decide that Mystical View or uh, one of Bob's other three-year-olds is the pick of the bunch, but they're all currently $40 plus. Well, magical around. Dreams in today. That's the one, yeah. yeah. I, I'm going to be keeping an eye how, how uh, Magical Dream goes. I really like that trial. Mm. Um, and it's, it's probably bred more so to get the journey. I'm not a big breeding man but the secret plant is by i'm invincible but the dam is at a high chaparral um which is where the staying aspect may come from but um look basically if you can pick out bob's best three-year-old they tend to stay tend to go pretty close into kingston town at a at a pretty short quote well, if, so. if they're if they're in it they're going to be a chance he you know, if if they make it there, they've got to be. You know. And last last year, who was the horse that we did this on? Fifty ones into sixes before it broke down was Windstorm. So, yeah, um, yeah, pretty uh, pretty consistent theory over the last five or six years. And um, yeah, so if, if you're not someone that wants to hop into two dollars forty about a back marker in a pretty sharp little three year old race, um, you could have a bit of fun over the next um, over the next six seven weeks um, if you have a little Kingston Town bet at the big price. I wonder if there's going to be layers bet fair late, especially if the um, I mean, there's not there's not going to be a lot of exposed. This is only race three. The first race is a staying race. Mm-hmm. I suppose they'll try and get a line on pattern via race two. Um, but I mean, if if they, if they want to, if a horse like Famous Journey with Jason Brown, Jimmy Taylor wants to roll along out in front, it's it's uh, trial form has been really Super. good. Yeah. There's probably going to be tempo that's going to stretch the field. You know, I, I, I'm thinking maybe Secret Plan might get out of touch. 
Potentially. It's, uh, we saw the money come first up and I, I wanted to dive in first up and I thought the same thing. Um, Secret Plan was up against Divine Pear and Apple Schnapp, Celebrity Witness, a few horses I thought that we'd see some money for. And um, yeah, I've disappeared from the computer for a sec, come back and Secret Plan was basically three bucks to a dollar ninety, and any betting opportunity was gone. Um, so it will be interesting if, uh, if they... If they are around, BJ. But how many times have we seen this script, though? Now, they have the one start. They impress. Steps up to the 1,200, which I love, um, a couple of months later or 45 days later. How many times have we seen this script that they simply just win? So uh, they're just- I'm in the vortex. I can hear myself. I'm in the vortex, but uh, I can hear myself. <laughs> the one question I want to also ask you before we move on from this race is Jordan Turner. Why is he not riding Friday night? Has he opted for Sassy Trader? And how good was Sassy Trader's trial? When asked for, when asked to go, top notch. absolutely. Oh, top notch. Was it a top notcher? Uh, has I'd, it, sorry, we, we I'd, missed, I'd we missed top okay. notch. I'd, I'd tune out when you got that <laughs> part of the segment. So. <laughs> it was top notch. Blinkers just exploded. Blinkers on, just whacked rewrite the stars, didn't it? So and one thing I will say about that trial: if rewrite the stars comes out and uh, wins the previous or runs a, a really big race in the previous, that trial looks um, that trial looks even better. And that was uh, Mystical View was in fourth in that trial. Yeah, I think. You're I think. Right, yeah. Yep. So and that's I think uh, my fair Ballantyne. Ran my third. fair Ballantyne ran third, mm. and guess who ran seventh, beating eleven and a half. Empire Rain, who missed by a lip yesterday. Mm. So that could be one of the hotter uh, trial references going around. So if Sassy Trader finds a front, um, can definitely uh, give some cheek. But um, no, I'm, I'm with you again. Three from three, BJ. Let's keep it growing. Well, speaking of cheek, kiss on all four cheeks. Philly worth following. I'm expecting her to go real close tomorrow. Uh, Friday night, interesting. Big spruik horse. Barrier, uh, barrier one. Barrier one, but Jared Noski goes on, 1,000 to 1,200, blinkers on. Mm. So I think there's been a bit of money around for him this morning. D-Day for a Friday night on Saturday. Yep, 100%. It's a, uh, geez, I feel like it could be a sticky ride for Jared if he ends up three or four back the fence. You can see him being held up while um, Secret Plan's just out wide and in, in open air and going, Wooshka. Hopefully. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Race four, Amelia Park handicap, 1,600 metres for the rating 66-plus brigade. Ganjimi Racing have been infuriating punters lately. Mm. They've scratched Notorious One from Ascot last Saturday, from Ascot on Wednesday, but it looks like their uh, game plan has paid off because Notorious One has landed in a very, very suitable Saturday race here. Guru, can we, can we get this... Uh, Short price fancy rolled. Uh, he can get himself rolled. That's yes. it, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I went into this trying to get him beaten again, like I have done those two races when he's been um, when he's been scratched. I think he was the bloody lay of the century um, last Saturday, last Saturday against yeah. Tycoon Storm and Expressionist, who didn't quite turn up. Um, but yeah, he he only beats himself here. This is a this is a moderate bunch of um, of milers. He's got the scope. He's in on the minimum. He can probably settle a touch closer from the better gate in a race that doesn't have a huge amount of speed. Jordan, what we've seen as well, Jordan can probably let him roll from the six hundred if they aren't going that quickly. And um, he just needs room, doesn't he? He just needs room, but he also needs to not switch off late, like we saw him nearly do against Misty Ladd. And that that form wasn't franked yesterday, Misty well, Ladd, which is why I suppose the stable has reached for the one eyed blinker. Yes, yes, it's always a it's always a worry when the unique sort of uh, some of the unique gear goes on but um, with a horse of this nature and the way he races and what they're trying to teach him it's it's understandable but um, look I I don't really want to get involved at the dollar 80 and I won't be getting involved at the dollar 80 but um, just a, a watch on a horse like um, playing Marika who you got to remember on playing Marika's last run she was backed into favoritism um, on the 26th of the 9th 
Her run on the surface looks plain. She's beaten the six lengths Arnie's boy. Arnie's boy was on the rail. Plain Marika was probably six horses off the rail. The the rail was worth like conservatively plus five. Yeah. Like it was conservatively worth plus five lengths. So I'd love to see him kick up playing Marika, settle closer. And the other runner who might get out to sort of $20, $30, $40 late on Betfair is one that's um you nearly um you nearly plucked. First up, last campaign. But uh, if you go through British Bess's history, and especially her last two campaigns, her best runs have been her first up runs. So the lack of tempo on this may not suit her. Um, Alan Kennedy's obviously opted for Arnie's boy. But um, look, if we can get a crazy price late, especially for especially for a hole, they're two horses that might be worth having a little look at. But um, no, nah, notorious one only, only beats himself here, I think, BJ. Interesting runner. Midnight Blue comes through a WA Derby preparation in the autumn. First up, Cerise and White, Lacta. Ramoli has been booked. I think that's a story on its own. Yeah. Lactar on, they're not winning. I think that's the uh, – unless they're getting a big weight. If they're getting with 57 and a half and they think the horse can win the, the race, I think you'd see Clint Johnston-Porter or a um, or Chrissy Parnham Chris not Parnham, riding yeah. um, Kelly's Callisto. So um, for me, that's just a – Dead giveaway. I've just put a line through it. Midnight Blue, yeah. So he, uh, he's he got a bit of staying potential, this horse, but um, not, I don't think it'll be his day on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Kelly's Callisto could be the one finding the rail out in front. Soft map, who, isn't it? Yeah, who makes who makes things challenging for Notorious One. Third up, should be just about ready to peak. I like the booking of Chris Parnham going on board. See, I don't. You don't? I I think it's a horse where you, you prefer less weight and an apprentice rolling along out on top. You reckon? That's Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Chris will get a little bit more out of it late, but the three kilos of Maddie versus um, for, for a horse rolling along out on top. And a soft map like this as well, I just – yeah, I think I think you really feel the sixty kilos late, but um, geez, you don't get much of a softer map if it no. is playing big easterly and they're, and they're not making any ground. Um, yeah, I think you'll, he has to, he purely has to be supported on he a has to, on a yeah. on a map sense. I mean, I've got a horse like Arnie's boy probably looking to be a bit more aggressive, potentially ending up in a breeze type yeah. thing, and it's it's half the horse it is when it doesn't have cover. So, um, yeah, map wise, uh, definitely consider late if uh, if they're not making an inch of ground. Okay, so yeah, it does look um, set up for yeah the the strategy, the patient strategy from Ganjimi Racing looks like it's going to mm-hmm. pay off on Saturday because yep. Notorious One is very well placed. You're brave taking a dollar seventy five about a horse with a, a few mental uh, issues though, aren't you? Yeah, he's on a steep learning curve. Notorious One's interesting. Notorious it's One Friday night block of land, which is in today. There are all these big sort of loping yep. sort of. Um, interesting character type horses all have their quirks so all hailing from the same stable so Michael and Chris have their hands full love with horse. that trio they love horses with uh, red flags don't they yeah um, yeah. even uh, what was Ocean's 15 he went good last week but um, he's got a couple of quirks as well mm-hmm. so anyway it's time to do the Mundaring Hotel WA Racing Mastermind competition the Mundaring has been the heart of the hills since 1899 located Jacoby Street Mundaring if you get a chance, especially if you're listening to the 1-1 on your way home from Northam today, drop in, see the publican, Ian Butchie O'Connor, say good day, let him know you're a 1-1 listener. Congrats to last week's WA Racing Mastermind winner, Tom Atkinson, a $100 gift voucher. Tommy is in the mail. Congratulations again. Now, to be crowned this week's Mastermind, you'll need to answer the following three northerly flavoured questions guru so the fighting tiger geez he was uh, he was something special oh. and in honor of northerly stakes day we'll, um we've got three northerly based questions let's see how the guru goes my battle here 
Question number one, who was the first jockey to win aboard Norley? Question two, at what start did Norley win the railway stakes? At his fifth, sixth or seventh race start? Either way, that was some achievement. Question number three, name the two horses that unsuccessfully protested against Northerly in his heart-pounding 2001 Cox Plate victory. Scribbling feverishly, listeners. I reckon I battled there. The guru has hit the wall when it comes yeah. to the Northerly uh Anything pre pre two thousand and eight type thing is uh, we we just challenged it a little bit. So. I'm sure there's plenty. Uh, you probably can't read my writing down think, there, can you? I think you got zero point five out of three. Zero point five. Okay, there we go. So I'm sure there's That's plenty of northerly super fans who who know that information off the top of their head. So if you want to enter this week's Mundaring Hotel Mastermind, please send us a direct message at the One One Pod on Twitter. Answer those three questions, and you will be in contention for a $100 gift voucher to the Mundaring Heart of the Hills since 1899. I reckon that might uh, that might separate the boys from the men. That one, I think, because a couple of those, well, the last one in particular, it's hard to. Uh, it's a little bit harder to uh, just Google and get your answer. I like that one. So interesting. Might be a carryover week again. <laughs> <laughs> Race five. Glenroy Char handicap. We've got another graduation, this time over 1,400 metres. Bit of interest in this. We've got a couple of three-year-olds taking on the older horses. Both the three-year-olds have weight and map advantage over the uh, the older major players including so those three-year-olds are of course precautionary and indigo blue the older chances the main fancies would be special choice and there's a few others and one of the more interesting runners of the day is a high class horse by the name of heaven's gift former peter in peter's investments mare who was sold prior who was sold for six thousand dollars to holly lock and her connections went on to win twice at pinjara before running third in a belmont oaks and second in the belmont classic she is racing first up with jared noski in the saddle I've gone for one of the three-year-olds, Terry. Which way did you go? You're saying Grant and Alana to Holly Locks are an upgrade, just about, <laughs> is it? It's a, it's a fair old effort, though, isn't it? Taking getting a horse that uh, they deemed not up to it, and then especially to 6, compete in the, to compete in the um, in those three-year-old races. So that's uh, that's super. Let's start three and four. It's uh, incredible stuff there. I, I don't think that this is the race for Heaven's Gift. I think um, I think from the gate, Jared's going to have to go back from eleven, and they'll probably look to run into it. Probably beat home half or three quarters of the field. But it, um, it feels like a horse you could target to that mares series. The um yeah, Jungle Muse, so. Jungle Dawn, yep. Starstruck, and Latrice. She could almost race in all of them. Yep. So, very, yeah, very, very much so. I mm. mean, the way she uh, the way she got over the ground, I think they'll be probably thinking maybe not this year, but the following year, even a Perth Cup type uh, type uh, conveyance. And uh, Holly only has a small team, but they um, they all go very well, and they're all always astutely place too so um but no i'm i'm with the three-year-olds i think uh, i had some concerns about how well the early season three-year-olds would go um against the older horses and those those sort of uh those concerns were dispelled last week with um with indigo uh sorry with dom to shoot and um Shantork getting the uh getting the chocolates against the older horses so look, winning, i am well too 
Yeah, they did. Mm. I um, I am pretty keen here on Indigo Blue. Um, it's actually our lay of the day uh, when it went to Kalgoorlie, when she went to Kalgoorlie. I always, always find it's hard for a young horse to, um, to travel that far and then become accustomed to a new track. And that's exactly as it turned out. Um, she wobbled badly around the bend. It was interesting because when I did my review, I saw that. They've actually noted it in the stewards report, which you don't really often see um, – sort of those type of things mentioned but i, I enjoyed it was good to see actually it was mm. yeah I, I enjoyed a little bit more of a detailed stewards report in that sense but if you look at her last 100 meters she hit the line better than anything else and yeah even the winner who'd already um passed her obviously by by that stage of proceedings um all of her lead-up trials where she was super impressive um she raced on speed and, and she gets that opportunity here Somewhere near a one-one, potentially the back of precautionary. That you got Bolshoi girl drawn underneath. Maybe the I was, breeze. I was thinking. The breeze. I, 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 is I the was most trying to. Try, I was trying to get her to cover. Yeah, but I, I feel as though she's going to land outside leader. I'm fine with that. So okay. I've got absolutely no issue with her racing without cover here. I mean, on debut she was a good thing beaten behind Captain Burglar when held up at key moments. Um, she's then knocked off Dom to shoot, um, albeit getting the the sit. Um, on her, ridden against the pattern they would have planned, and then she simply didn't handle Kalgoorlie. I don't think this race has a huge amount of depth. Durant Stable's going nicely now. Special choice is your lay of the day. Um, $20 plus wouldn't get me, to be honest with you, BJ. Um, I think horses like Lucky Linda Lulu and Point Taken, who are going to have to carry significantly more weight than a horse on the rise, uh, will feel that weight late. And I just think Indigo Blue looks um, looks your winner on paper. So it's a, it's an easy investment for me. I'm going to look at a little, little, little saver um, on a horse we mentioned earlier coming out of that hot trial, My Fair Ballantyne. Um, I thought that was a nice enough trial. Has the differing form lines. I think I think last campaign they got a little bit wrong with the stepping it up in trip and just, just wobbling it round and was never – A bit uh, of guessing going on, wasn't there? There was, and, and, and she also didn't have a great deal of luck. Um, throughout her campaign either. So I'm not 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 sure how she's, she'll go. She's the horse she'd love to get your hands on, I reckon, my fair Ballantyne. I reckon there's a bit of scope there, mm, isn't there, Bija? I think the 1,400 metres first up is the right move. I think barrier six is the right spot. Um, may only be a, a horse or two if Indigo Blue. And around that $13, she's one that's super hard to price. I found her impossible to mark. Um, I think it's a pretty easy double play race with the main go, Indigo Blue, $4 plus and, and my fair Ballantyne mid teens. Okay. This is where we go our separate ways, Terry. <laughs> my three year old. It, it had to come. My three year old that I'm keen on here is precautionary. I um, was trying to make a case for her last start and was shot down by the by the unceremoniously by the guru well in more defense i didn't have her leading we didn't i didn't have her on the plus five rail and um and if you go back to the yeah anyway i don't need to myself <laughs> now but yes i did i do remember that you said uh, what did you think of her last yeah. run and i said oh, i thought it was just okay i thought yeah. with the runs that uh, indigo blue and dom to shoot had she had the right to maybe skip a little harder but um what do i know was suited on the day precautionary but i feel as though she won well enough and i feel as though she's going to be suited again clean getaway with Bo banovic edwards bbe in the saddle 51 kgs holds up in front has got hardest to be indigo blue on her outside rails gives a kick precautionary i think she's she's going to make life difficult for indigo blue to get over the top of her i feel as though uh the um the claim is is uh is a it's good use of the claim good by uh 
Fred Kersley. And uh, yeah, I just think the start is all important. If Bo can get her to begin, can hold the rail in front, and if Indigo Blue lands punching Breeze outside leader, I reckon Precautionary can cling on. That's the way I'm leaning, Terry. Although it was flip of the coin stuff, but I ended up rolling with Precautionary because I thought she'd find the rail and the three kilo weight advantage. From a map point of view, those two really look like they should dominate the race with the um, with the lightweight, shouldn't they? 100% agree. So, what price do you have special choice? Special choice, I pushed out to 750. Jeez. What were you? Uh, 26. Really? Yeah, 26. Probably wouldn't take 35 plus either. So, so you can watch special well, choice come out and win next start. It was actually, uh, well, it was actually it, a it tough took, win last start. Yeah, it was a good win, but it took everything of CJP to he get it. He put on his shoulders, oh. didn't he? It was good, but I don't know whether no no disrespect to our man Raul Romoli, but I don't know if he's if he's got those tricks up his sleeve just no. yet. Map map suggests she'll be quite well back as well. Yeah. So either, either that or wide. So sticky, sticky, sticky ride. But um, when she's taking, I think she's currently five bucks, so she's yep. taking up twenty percent of the market. So I like that as a. Um, I like that feel because it gives you a good uh, a good percentage to bet into the rest of the race. Yeah. Good stuff. Race number six is the Crown Towers Handicap over the 1,000 metres. Condor Heroes, he's been a polarising figure here at the 1-1. Condor <laughs> Heroes can't win. And um, he, Did uh, you say that, did you? <laughs> but uh, he, um, he's got blistery, blistering early and middle gate speed, this uh, uh, Eastern States import from the Michael and Ganjimi Racing Yard. He, uh, he looks as though he's going to find the front, run them along and turn this into a real speed battle. But there are some horses with some reasonable amount of class who will be in his slipstream following him into the turn. We have horses like Battlestorm, Masris and White returning from Victoria. Also, Nikovi, stablemates Nikovi and Boomtastic, very classy four-year-olds who are returning from a break. Each of those as well as Elite Street, who looks like a horse with significant potential. So there's a bit going on here, here Guru. Um, but for me, I feel as though if, if Condor Hero, Heroes turns up anywhere near his blistering best, he's just going to be very hard to catch railing out in front. Well, this was an incredible race to try and uh, market, and I actually didn't. And you know me, I, I, I create a market for basically every single race. But ha how are you meant to mark Battlestorm, a horse that's yeah. first up? I was going to ask you that question. Actually. Yeah, you, you simply can't. You obviously you market on trust, you market on I went barrier. Five, I went $5. I, I think I, I would have had it yeah. something along those lines, but it just was a big question mark next to it. You're just marking a race for the sake of marking a race. Yeah. Um, like how, how do you mark Nakovi? That was a nice trial. Um, but gets back over the thousand meters. Coming off uh, some issues too, I think Nakobi as well. So. Boom Tastic gets five and a half, uh, carries five and a half less than Condor Heroes. But does Condor Heroes have too much early gate speed? And Boom Tastic will be chasing to get to the breeze and arguably be gassed in doing so. Um, then you can even talk about a horse like Elite Street, who Papuli's made that form look okay in recent weeks. And um, it's just uh, even Chickspeak. But the yeah. problem with Chickspeak is probably going to be on the back of the Nikonian, who I suspect will be one of the first horses beaten here. And then Road probably block. Roadblock, probably mm. a very good horse for Condor Heroes um, in that sense, BJ. But um, no, it's, it's not a race I have uh, a huge opinion on. I'll be, um, I'm more interested to, to watch them go around. Any type of hot rail and you've, you've got to think that Condor Heroes will be super hard to, um, will be super hard to grab. But geez, these, these early season four-year-olds, uh, last, last year's crop of three-year-olds, they just keep winning and keep mm. running big races, don't they? So wouldn't 
surprise me to see Boom Tastic or Nikovi um, run pretty big races here. But uh, no, I'll be I'll be staying out. This is all yours. Yeah, no, I'm just I concur with a lot of what you were saying. It was just purely on Condor Heroes. If the Ganjimi is the brothers have got this fellow where they want him to bit of an easterly around on a warm ascot and warm ascot day if condor heroes with sean mcgrady in the saddle can begin use that real strong impressive mid-race speed establish a, a lead and get the others chasing um i'm just wondering who's strong enough to get over the top of him you know if conditions are to suit so that there's probably a few there who would be putting up their hands to suggest that they have that in their within their capabilities but i don't know he's going to be making the running out in front and I thought he was pretty brave first up with weight at Belmont. I reckon conditions are going to be even more suitable for him on Saturday. So Condor Heroes on top. Definitely looks like an Ascot horse. The one thing I will say um, when assessing Condor Heroes versus a horse I never expected to try and assess in this race, State Attorney. They actually met fresh um, last campaign and State Attorney – I think it's a four kilo swing for a 0.2 length um, defeat. So State Attorney is the world's biggest nonny, but geez, there are a couple of um, pretty impressive trials behind Celebrity Queen and, and some sort, weren't they? So yeah. last trial was the best part of a month ago, but that could be big. They're trying to keep him fresh on purpose. Um, I think his I best think runs just, have always I think been fresh. thousand meter races for him. Yep. I think that's it. Yeah. So his, his best runs have always been fresh. So, look, I, I might look to shop something place-heavy state attorney lady if I can see some sort of something north of $20 and, and $5 a drum. Um, that might be something I, I look to shop at late, but um, with a, a lack of real enthusiasm, BJ. Yeah, Condor Heroes for me, if he's going to get run over, it'll be one of Battlestorm, Boomtastic or Nakobi. Something small state attorney. Better tip something at a price today. There's not too many uh, at a big quote. No naughty by nature. No, no. Are we going to talk are, about are that? We are we on speaking gonna, terms about that? Uh, not, not too. I wasn't really happy with the ride on red top hip. Uh, red top hip? <laughs> red hot tip either, to be honest. Uh, they absolutely crawled in a race and uh, she got caught. he got caught napping by Matty Derrick on a 10-year-old or 9-year-old in push to pass. Like, jeez. The way to beat Truly Great was to get rolling and um, you being the one that was kicking clear. So I was, I was a little bit frustrated by that and I was a little bit, bit flat. bit flat. I was a little bit flat about that uh, and I was a little bit flat that um, Naughty by Nature was ridden that defensively as well, straight out the back and um, absolutely climbing over him. In a race that we called correctly, we we had uh, we were pretty strong that Cliffs had come for this or Tester Pooley would probably chop each other into the ground and be, be calling cabs late and um, unfortunately – we just weren't on the right back marker. Mm, Dominic. Dominic, yeah. Retrospect, it looks... So the five bottles of mum, they uh, they never eventuated. Well, they, they would have done. It wasn't my fault. They never eventuated. No, However, they would have the... done. <laughs> so they... it's, it's never been my fault, though. That's one, that's one thing you've come to learn pretty quickly over the journey. But, yeah, uh, Naughty by Nature could be a horse to follow. You never know. Mm, um, the horse to follow. Race seven is uh, very, very sharp. Mm. Very, very sharp field of sprinters lining up here in the RS Crawford Stakes. 1,000 metres, set weights and penalties. This is one of the major lead-ups towards the Group 1 Winter Bottom Stakes. Now, the Crawford is uh, – there's lots of talent, as you can imagine, but it does, with Mervyn engaged, mm. they will be humming. They'll be, burning, they'll be burning turf early, and for me – it just looks like it's going to set it up for the on-pace brigade. And I reckon this is 
This is just a sweet, sweet setup for Indian Pacific. Yeah, it, it depends. Have you got Indian Pacific tucking in on Mervyn? Because Mervyn, when they they don't necessarily just have to go plus a million lengths to the turn. Mervyn on occasion can be held back to them and Labor Rod might be able to kick up and grab the back of Mervyn. So Indian Pacific could be breezing. Could be breezing, yeah. Yeah, it could be breezing. So if you, if you go back through Indian Pacific's runs um, – throughout his short career to date this is another one with the futures wise i don't know whether well i I highly doubt he'll be able to make the step up to wait for age company and run a race but um he's nearly 50 to 1 with a couple of agencies for the winter bottom and neville parnham has been pretty um big on the fact that he thinks he can continue to improve and go that way so if you're looking for something at a price he might be worth something very small but um he's twice in his seven start career bj he hasn't uh Hasn't found the fence, um, and on those two occasions he was beaten. So interesting in that sense. Look, I, I, I think this race will be won and run exactly as you said. Mervyn will spear along Indian Pacific on its back. Laver Rod probably the back of Mervyn. Mm-hmm. Valor Road on the back of um, Indian Pacific. I think the data doesn't agree with me in the fact that Labor Rod does go well fresh over the 1,000, but I get the feeling Labor Rod might just want a little bit further. Um, I, I feel Labor Rod might be a better horse over 1,200 um, potentially. Um, Did you consider Labor Rod above Indian Pacific? No, I didn't. No. no. No, I think the race will be run and won from the breeze and the horse on the, the back of the breeze. Valor Road's the map horse. Yep. I think Valor Road's really the map horse here and Indian Pacific's the, the horse on the rise who – if Mervyn came out of this race, um, I, I would have had Indian Pacific $2.80 type thing. I think if it, if it finds a rail, if it found the rail, the race would be over um, straight away. So I think the winner comes from those two. You're talking 5 bucks Valor Road, 4 bucks. Uh, Indian Pacific type thing. I think those marks are about right. You've got to have Labor Rod not far from him in the mark. You have to have Stage Man, but always happy to take on a horse 1,200 back to 1,000, especially when they're going to go mad like this. But if it wins, it's just too good, isn't it? Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll cop it. I'm definitely yeah. not going to say it's a lay or, or anything of that nature, but um, it's just a horse I'm, I'm happy to take on down in journey. But uh, the, the winner comes from Indian Pacific and, and Valor Road, and, and I found it very hard to split the pair. So I'll probably, probably shop late. I'm expecting the money to roll in for the boom horse indian pacific i think that's the one that will just people will want late potentially even labor rod it might mean a horse like valorod gets to a backable quote late so i'm happy to play bet fair late and see what um see what uh is provided by the market yeah i'm very keen indian pacific almost my best of the day mm. i just yeah, i'm really taken with this with this horse uh, especially at the first up at the thousand he was uh under a hold in a very sharp lead-up Belmont Barrier Trial win, Brad and Neville Parnham speak very enthusiastically about this uh, four-year-old now. He, um, yeah, fresh. I think he's just going to be dynamite on speed. Mervyn, hopefully if Mervyn goes quick enough, uh, Indian Pacific can maybe tuck into the slipstream or get half a horse of cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he does, that's just going to give him that little bit of juice left in the finish. Still, I feel as though Indian Pacific is a very fast horse. Over the 1,000, I think he's going to be fastest. So Labor Rod was my biggest danger. He was dynamite first up of the 1,000 last prep. He's going to be camping just behind Mervyn and Indian Pacific and hopefully getting the last crack at them. Stage man launching late, Valor Road class, gets a good map as Terry alluded to. So for me, any Pacific on top, if he's going to get collar late, I reckon it might be Labor Rod or Stage Man.
Very good. Uh, good luck to um, connections of uh, Man Booker as well. I don't think this is winnable over the thousand, but I'd love to see Man Booker return and uh, be a force in either the winter bottom or the uh, railway, whichever way I think, they. I think they're hoping to keep him to the sprints this campaign. Okay. So I think the winter bottom is the is the go, which is why he's resuming over the twelve. Then I imagine he'll go to the eleven. Yep. Uh, which is Prince of Wales, I think it is, and then on to. The winter bottom. Yep. Oh, well, good luck to connection because, uh, yeah, one of our favourites, man, Booker. Now, gee whiz. Yeah. Uh, this is this is some race. Mm, they <laughs> so, got me on the uh, the little birdie pod over east today to to discuss this and try and declare him something, and I said, gee whiz, you've you've uh, you picked a hard so old race up, for me. To, first uh, up on the little birdie. First up, yeah, it was first up, and I thought, uh, gee whiz, it's uh, it's a race you can run. As I said, it's a race you can run uh, ten times and get ten different results. So they didn't give you any half trackers, just straight. No, no, no. There was no half volley first up. I was hoping something was chucked on a tee, but unfortunately, it was uh, it was a fifth day wicket in Mumbai and uh, the. <laughs> ball was doing a fair bit so um yeah i'm gonna i reckon i'll be lucky to get bad on ball here but uh mm. look let's start from the beginning bj let's have a discussion it's a very, good, very good place to start it is it, it is it's it is it's often often the best place to start i've been told uh speed map let's let's discuss this speed map have, have we both got great shot crossing and finding the rail i do and before we move on, how about the uh the way this works i saw peter mccormick's tweet i was actually in the process of um tweeting something similar but how about great shot just rolling in as a bottom weight in uh in a set uh weights and penalties race it's uh it's quite uh quite incredible well, the, 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 are, there's going to be some support around for great shot because of that as well there has there probably naturally has to be well the alarming thing is that he's still holding a 105 handicapping rating it's, as well which throws the anomaly out yeah oh it's just uh it looks funny doesn't it it yeah. just looks funny not ha ha funny but uh just on the cusp of ha ha funny um great shot leading uh money matters from 14 just putting the foot down with p hall on top and finding the breeze i think that's its only real move isn't yeah. it otherwise you'd scratch surely yeah mm. so well who knows? They might scratch in the end anyway. They mm. might. I don't know their calendar-wise if there's another suitable assignment. But as a 98 rater, there probably isn't many more suitable assignments. So um, I think they'll take it on and say we think it's a quick horse. That um, the 1400 is probably the preferred uh, preferred journey. We can find the breeze here. They'll they'll have an idea that Red Can Man will be probably wanting the one one. They'll have an idea that Vital Silver will probably want the one one too. Yeah. I'd suggest I'd say unless one of them gets caught deep, that one of them ends up one one. One of them ends up on the back, or as I said, the other one gets caught deep. Massimo but, leaders back. Well, the danger is you've got Massimo free trade, and let me just get my notes up here, BJ. You got Massimo. You, they're the two. Sorry, you got yep. Massimo and free trade, who both have really good tactical speed and won't just want to hand up a, a potential one one. I reckon. I reckon they're going to be less aggressive on free trade yesterday. Uh, sorry, on Saturday mm -hmm. after they really. Really attacked in the black art bar and he folded up yeah i reckon they they might be questioning whether that's the right way to go high pressure he might have to just be a horse that sort of comes back a pair yep no i, I can 100 percent see that and even with massimo i mean from barrier four drawn underneath is telling we're coming taxigano and platoon three slow horses okay well taxigano at this journey is a slow horse mm -hmm. won't go with him early so massimo could end up back on the fence Probably three back the fence potentially. It could it could be sticky for Massimo from where uh, from where he's going to end up. Um, look, I, I think just from a just from understanding a a campaign and where this horse is at. I mean, he's he's your current favourite for the race. Is he still your favourite, Mitch? Let's check. He is. He's he's a six dollar favourite. I mean, that's 
That's got six dollars the field, five fifty the field. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't take double that about Massimo. So obviously, we know how good he's been this uh, this preparation. But this is his twelfth or thirteenth run, coming um, off a coming off a setback, which coming saw him coming off a, before the Hannans, and yeah. he and he travelled too, Kalgoorlie. Yeah. So he's still he's still done the travel. It's thirty five days, like. No, it's just it's just the horse you got to take on every day of the week, and this yeah. is this is his hardest assignment. What a length of the straight! Um, great shot actually meets him something like um, it's about eight and a half kilos better yeah. for that uh, three point uh, or nearly four length defeat a couple of starts ago, which is a really interesting weight swing. Um, there to be honest with you, but look, first of all, this is a race I'm I'm pretty keen to um, take a few on. Um, I've seen you're on top selection, so mm-hmm. yours is one of the ones I'm going to look to take on. That's that's probably the one I least want to take on. But um, I think KC might need another trial. Uh, might be found wanting without that second trial in a what I what should be a pretty hard run race with the speed coming across from Great Shot and Money Matters um, and Red Cam Man and Vital Silver not wanting to be far from them. Um, happy to take on Massimo for reasons uh, I've just. Happy to take on Money Matters. Can't see Money Matters breathing for 14 and beating these. Something will get a sit. I think something will be too strong for Money Matters late. And from what I can gather, it looks like Joey has a party's opted for Vital Silver um, over Money Matters, which is somewhat interesting um, on its own, unless perhaps Joey was told you're right at here and you're right at the winter bottom too, which would have been a pretty big fillip for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy taking on – no, they're the one. They're basically the horses in the market. There's obviously a stack of others that I don't think can win, but um, so those three horses are all – they're your three favourites just about? Yeah, so – KC, they are your three favourites. Oh, Red Can Man, sorry, is in, the, uh, is in there as well. So that's not what I'm taking on. We're not mm-hmm. taking on Red Can Man, but um, I'm happy knocking those three, BJ. Mm. Mm. Okay, <laughs> that so, was a that was a disapproving sign. No, no, no. I'm just sort of trying to plot my way through this because this is uh, there's, I, a bit, there's a bit there's a bit going on. Yeah, so I, I wrote in the leg offset in the spirit of the fighting tiger, we have, have ourselves a heavyweight stoush in the northerly stakes. Now, um, this is just a belter, belter of a race. So for me, the speed, great shot, money matters, Massimo, Vital Silver, Red Cam Man, among others, is going to ensure that this is going to be run. At least faster, just faster than average. It'll be willing. Yeah, it'll be willing. Um, and uh, and it's it's mainly due to the barrier draws as well. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, they're gonna vol silver nine, red can man thirteen, uh, twelve. Twelve great shot is ten. It's um money matters fourteen. Money matters fourteen. So that it's just it's got a. It, the, the puzzle is very fascinating here. So for me, there's going to be intense pressure up um, at the leaders and the, the pointy pace end. Pointy end. So when there's high pressure, I feel as though the cream rises to the top. This is why I've sided with KC mm-hmm. uh, first up. I can see where Terry's coming from. Might be a touch vulnerable on a railway. Do you think it could be even more vulnerable because, because of that hot tempo and the, the, the grounding isn't underneath her as well? I don't know. I just feel as though first up she's going to be on fresh legs. From five, I feel as though Stevie Punham is going to be able to hold a midfield running position and get a really good sight, really good sighter at the uh, the targets that he'll be looking to, to gun down late with KC. He rides this horse with supreme confidence, Steve Parnham. They know how good she is. She's uh, on on en route to railway and perhaps back-to-back Kingston Town classic victories. As I said, in these type of situations, the cream rises to the top. That's why I'm siding with KC. I feel as though if the leaders uh, put put on, put too much pressure on up top, 
they're going to be there's a bunch of them that are going to be vulnerable late they're going to be vulnerable to horse with the caliber of kc i can see her really motoring and launching into into the finish of the on speed brigade when you're talking about cream rising to the top i'm happy to forgive vital silver i don't think a lot went right in the black heart but they've made a gear change and a riding change and i think gate nine is even is is better um i think he's a better horse kept away from from the fence unless he's leading so he has led and won twice over 1400 meters at ascot in the past it's been a while since he's had a crack at 1400 but his record at this journey is exceptional i think he's like six from 10 or something like that it's really really good 1400 meter horse great races but yeah it's still six from 10. yeah so and i feel like getting back onto a firm fresh ascot surface is going to suit him i don't think that that um, the setup at Belmont the other day was favourable, especially in a in a in a race where he got sort of hemmed away or behind a stopping leader, and then sort of that's not really his go. He likes to move into the race with momentum. I feel as though he's going to get that on uh, on Saturday. So for me, I feel as though it's a it's a race for KC and Vital Silver to be fighting out. Red Cam Man, I reckon he's probably still a run short. I reckon third up will probably be where he'll be peaking en route to a railway stakes as well. But he's a really consistent honest horse he's got two peak 1400 meters performances that stand out um both really fast right uh really fast runs so they they stand out big time in this uh northerly stakes so they're the three for me there's heap of other chances that people will no doubt be making cases for but for me it's kc vital silver and red cam man one of those three will be winning it yeah, so I think there'll be uh, opinions varied left, right, and centre. It's funny if you you go back to the Blackheart Bar, which is a major form reference to this. It's it's arguable that Uni Time was the run of the race, just about, isn't it? Yep. So, and uh, Uni Time opened the biggest um, the biggest ruffy in the field. So, um, look, I, I, without much confidence, but the horse that's come up well above my my price in uh, in a very unconfident market uh, is Vital Silver. Um, first up, I, I just think sometimes we need to show forgiveness first up was huge with the 62 with peter hall in the back over the unsuitable thousand meters second up i think they just got it wrong and they were also the victim of circumstances from barrier two peter hall the scratching the scratching mass scratching costly yeah it was horrible that's i mean a lot of us were pretty keen and we we dove in and we had him one one we didn't want him going back to the fence so but if you also watch that race they've gone about plus six to the turn and peter hall dug him up almost to try and lead i think he said hang on if we're a chance we might be able to kick up and lead here by the time he took a hold the horse just fought him um, and just fought him and fought him and fought him and fought him. When a gap finally appeared, which it, it took a little bit he of was done. to do so, he was done. and he's got Cup Night and Stage Man sitting in his ass, yeah. and they're two horses that are going to outsprint Vital Silver every day of the week. So, just go back to his win. Ah, uh, sorry, not his win. His placing, his second placing in the Manicato, and that's the sort of sort of map I have here. I've no doubt Dan and Ben will say, um, look, probably let greatest great shot go across, um, let money matters come across, but show some speed, make them work to get there, then tuck in. But uh, this won't be a horse that's it's waiting to make a sprint. This will this will be a horse that's often going before the bend and he can really grind and sustain a run. So um I question I question the four. I still think he's gonna be a better twelve hundred meter horse. I know I know what his numbers say at the fourteen hundred meters, but I do think he'll be a better twelve hundred meter horse. Um but I, I just think ridden correctly, ridden tough, uh, he'll be super, super, super hard to get past late. And his only blemish in four Ascot starts was a second in a winter bottom stakes. So as BJ alluded to before, he's um, he absolutely loves this surface and he loves getting on top of the ground again. Um, only, they were only a soft five last time out, but he definitely loves Ascot. And I just think each way at 10 bucks, I don't – 
I mean, I don't think we're going to see each way 10 bucks about Vital Silver at many SWP mm. races going forward. So um, happy being on here. But, um, yeah, look, this is – yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I tipped it last day. It wouldn't surprise me to see Media Baron really elevate second up at the 1,400. wouldn't surprise me to see Cup Knight, who beat all of these um, last time out in, in the Blackheart Bart, albeit with a tremendous run on a hot rail, um, go past him. There's a lot of speed in this. There's a million different permutations the way this race can end up. I thought Platoon's trial was huge. Yeah, Probably ends up three or four back the fence and needs a needs a mountain of luck. You know who's um, who might be back in town as well? Who? Tell them we're coming. I thought its two trials have been really good. Yeah, I, I don't think Tell them we're coming's a four back the fence Lucy Warwick or so. No, that's, not not sad day, but look out for him. He'll be steaming. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, one of my favourites. Tell them we're coming. Mm. So yeah, big well, fan of Tell them we're coming. It was interesting what you were talking about just before we move on about that black art bar stakes and about race shape and the importance of of of, mm -hmm. um, of tempo so they've gone five five or six above yep. just faster, shy of six, so faster than average to the 800 and they went about even from the 800 to the 600 but there was a big anchor drop from this by chloe as a party on flower of war between the six and the four and vital and so, silver and was so, just an unhappy horse so what that meant was it, it vital silver burned early and then with the anchor drop Peter Hall had to take hold and he was fighting. So it's a so it's a double negative. He's burnt fuel in the early speed battle and then he's burnt fuel fighting his rider and he's got nothing to show for it because, as you said, showmanship uh, – not showmanship, sorry um, – Stage man mm -hmm. and Cup Knight were like basically on his heels. Yeah, exactly. So he's done. And they all, they it, hadn't made the early run either. They, they, had, they hadn't, hadn't been used. They hadn't been used at all. So, so yeah. it's when you see the the Vincicardi, like we do the Vincicardi figures and the data that comes through, you can really see why, like how Stage Man and Cup Knight were able to be so close to them at that stage of the race and still have so much um, to give. Whereas the other horses had, it was it was just it was interesting looking at the mathematics of it all to see. Oh, hang on, like these horses have gone so fast early, yet they don't have anything to show for it. They know, had no head start over the big closes, and that's why they were all vulnerable late. So exactly right. Mm -hmm. And one of the analogies I like to use is horses aren't uh, horses aren't cars. If you, if you accelerate early and then have to put the brake pedal on, it's very likely the accelerator won't work again for mm -hmm. a horse. So and that's exactly the case with with Vital Silver. There, you have to be a, a serious serious racehorse to um, to be able to to do what he did in there and. Then pick up and sprint again so um they know that they know his strengths as you mentioned as you alluded to his, his wider gate um or middle of the field gate barrier nine is perfect it gives joey options and um yeah just look look to see joey get wide and let this horse try and sustain a four yeah, five hundred i reckon run. he'll be busy which which suits the way that joey has a party rides as yep. well yeah 100 yep. percent Cracking race, though. cracking race. Whoever wins will be deserved. That's I'll be having sure. I'll be having something on Vital Silver each way, but I, I won't be uh, I won't be going gutsy, in as I actually really just want to enjoy the uh, enjoy the event and um, can probably give us an idea going forwards to a uh, to a railway stakes. I hope Media Baron runs a race. Mm. Having some of the some of the forties and fifties around, I've just got a feeling Media Baron's going to turn into a horse a bit deeper in this prep. Okay. That was uh, that was good stuff. Nor mm. Northerly stakes analysis. But speaking of good stuff, Terry, what time is it? <laughs> that's a good segue. That's, that's <laughs> one. Of, that's one of your best yet, actually. Speaking of good stuff. Speaking of good stakes. Good stakes. It's time for the get out stakes, BJ. It's S T E A K S. Who is it? Uh, who is it sponsored by? Well, it's sponsored by Market City Meats, okay. the largest retail butcher shop in Perth, located at the Canningvale Markets on Bannister Road. Timmy Hewitt, he's our man. He runs the show out there with his team. Drop in, swing past, say good day. Timmy will take very good care of you. Congrats to last week's winner, Brett Ersig. Now a dual GOS victor, 
Brett or Mr. Sensitive, as he's known on Twitter, was on the money with his Dom to shoot selection. He pinpointed Guru, pinpointed the exact 0.52 length margin. Mr. Sensitive. Yeah. A few tears of joy afterwards, you think? Very, that's high quality stuff. He would have felt uh, that, wouldn't he? Mm, Mr. Sensitive. He would. Mm. <laughs> he sure would have. I'll tell you what. The people are racking up these multiple get-out-stakes wins. Mm. Um, I bet you there's a few people out there who enter week in, week out who have got to be wondering, when, when's it going to be our turn? When's it going to be out there? They're probably what about us? following us. Yeah, what about us? It isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Shannon Noel would be, uh, he'd be at the top of his lungs about this. Now, to enter the get-out-stakes, simply tweet at the 1-1-pod who you think will win race nine at Ascot on Saturday. Who will win? Decimal winning margin, two decimal places, first in best dressed under the Sam White clause. Well, BJ, I think this is a week you want to get your margin correct mm. because this isn't a week I think it's an overly open race. In fact, I think there are two winning chances and just the two winning chances. I'm not... Just the two of us. Just the two of us. We can uh, we can back a winner if we try. Yeah. Um, the, the two winning chances, BJ here. For, first of all, from a speed about point of view, I think you'll see Strike Force try and roll forward. Um, from Barrier 5, Strike Force actually flying at the moment. Yeah, humming. Um, absolutely humming. The drop back to 1,400 is a real... It's a real kick in the teeth. You would have loved uh, Peter Bamford from Moucher. Um, would have loved the uh, would have loved this to be over the mile. Mm, I reckon. I reckon um, too. After runs behind leading girl and money matters, but pretty happy to take on. Not not take on. It's a clear third elect for me. But uh, Strike Force isn't the one we're going to be looking at here. Um, position to power didn't go very well. Off a little freshen up. But I'm expecting and I'm trusting a yard. I'm trusting David Harrison to uh, to get this bloke to improve second up. And I think with Paul Harvey going back on, um, he will do so. I think from barrier two, he either lands probably the back of the speed or even kicks through and tries to lead off himself if strike force doesn't get away um, all that cleanly as he occasionally doesn't. Um, so I, I think that we just see massive improvement there. And this is – Probably should start by saying this is a race with with just nothing. There's just no depth. I'm happy taking on Mystery Miss with it's not it's not an apprentice horse. You need a you need a guide, Mystery Miss, and it needs a W Pike or C Parnham, I think, to run a race. Bella's Idol, Big Caroline, um, they're not they're just simply not up to this morning. Song's not a fourteen hundred meter fresh horse. It needs every bit of two thousand. Um, Bad Wolf had its win wide gate. Tollman's a nice horse, but from ten, how do you map a victory? And Turbo Power's a sixty four raider and a seventy two plus. So very simply, it's a two horse race. Um, I, I keep umming and ahhing which way I want to go. I'm, I'm going to go with Moshard on top, though. Um, I think Moshard's in career best form, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and Moshard's... So you, you were in Kalgoorlie. I, I so was in Kalgoorlie. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> have I mentioned that at all? They, uh, I left my soul there if anyone could bring it back to Perth next time they, uh, they come. I was watching Sky Thoroughbred Central. Mm. Uh, Peter Fernie and Luke Fernie, I think, were both on from memory. Uh, and Moshard was the pick of them in the Hannon's Handicap. Yep. Uh, ahead of... Pims, okay. Pims Royale, and Mashad got back and charged home into fourth and missed second by very small margins. So. Also important to note that was a 77 rater and an 88 plus as yep. well. So Mashad was racing uh, out of his grade. The effort behind um, Pims Royale, Money Matters, and yeah, Darty, who would all be very, very, very difficult to beat here, was super. Even the run of the Campbell Cup, carrying the 61 on a day which was not that easy to make ground. It was um, brave. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was just a super effort so Moshard is is ready to win but the one thing we know with Moshard is we need some luck so we're, we're gonna Mitchie Pateman's probably 
I think with the lack of speed in this, and it's only a smaller field, he, he might only end up being three back the fence here. I think he can muster a little bit early and work a little bit early. I think I think you'll find Turbo Power ends up leaders back. Um, and I'm, I'm almost hoping you can end up uh, three back the fence here. And I think if gaps appear at the right time and position of power isn't completely wound up and kick clear and mm. off he's gone, um, then Machard wins this race. So um, look, at about it's, – it's not exciting, but it's, it's even money to Dutch the pair. I, I've got the Dutch at about $1.45. So, um, yeah, just about uh, – it's a clear second best of the day. Well, bookmark. Bookmark. What do you call it? Bookend, sorry. Bookend. Bookend, Bookend of the day. Yeah, I'm um – Mashad's one of my better better players of the day as well. Just that Hannon's handicap run was excellent. Back to an Ascot 1400 metre where he has raced well before. Mm-hmm. I think he won here. I will say though, he he is a bit of a pike horse, mm-hmm. isn't he? So he is. in the leg up, I just said um, that Mashad is really a William pike horse, but Let's hope that after uh, anyone that listened to the Pikey interview will get this, let's hope he's a bit of a pest yeah. after the race. Let's hope, <laughs> exactly. he's, uh, let's hope he's got his tail up yeah. after the race. Hopefully, uh, yeah, Mitchell Pateman can channel some of uh, the wizard with this particular steer. Mm. Terry's right, uh, gets into sticky situations, does Mashad. I think Mitchie Pateman's the man for the job, though, is, is you know thinking Jade McNaught will try to roll along and maybe pinch it. Um, from the 700, 600 with strike force. Hopefully that creates space, creates gaps. Pontiff on position of power. We'll jockey that li- on. But then yep. likes to roll out and yep. get going as well. Not going to just sit and wait for a run. So that'll provide some gaps and S- just yep. turbo power. Yeah. So I feel as though position of power is a really good, solid competitor, but he's more of a grinder. Mm-hmm. If Machard is coiled up and position and horses like position of power, um, say he hits the front for argument's sake under under Terry's the way that Terry's mapped out the race, I feel as that Machard's got the closing speed to to get over the top of him uh, late. Position of power will be hard to hold out. I thought oh, we've got a lot of time for Tollman. I wouldn't be surprised to see him Breeze back. That was the that was the mm. that was the issue, but just on talent alone I feel as though he did some really good things last prep and ran some ran some races that I didn't necessarily think he was capable of. So taking another step forward this this um, this campaign, perhaps maybe Tollman can can uh, shoot the lights out first up. But for me, if Machad is is uh, coiled up with position of power within striking distance, I feel as though Machad's going to be able to gun him down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, Mitchie saluting. Hopefully, I think this is salute uh, for the one-one. We would love a good salute, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, just give us something over the line. A little, uh, it's like a little, little okay symbol. Yeah. Just a little. It's all good. Uh, there we go. So. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we get a similar look to the uh, to what he gave the photographer at Jelton last Saturday after oh. last Sunday after Invictus mm. Domini. Invictus Domini. What did that win by nine point seven four lengths? Yes, mm. sure yeah. did. Yeah, some some. It's a good win that one, wasn't it? It was yeah, certainly was. Well, Mitchie was was uh, he was bamboozled post race. He couldn't believe he, he what was, happened. He was a little look over the right yeah. and the left shoulder. So we might, uh, I think, we might be talking about Invictus Domini uh, in the next couple of weeks. I think in a uh, on a Saturday. Yeah, that was quite special for the Crayfish Coast, wasn't yeah, it? Certainly Bloody was. Hell. It certainly was. All right, well, that brings us to the end, BJ, of a uh, another another preview where we've. Uh, well, we've just been overshadowed by Mr. Sir William Pike, but uh, geez, I I, uh, I quite like the card actually, and it's a, it's a very exciting card from a neutral perspective, especially with the Crawford and the um, and the Northerly heading towards the uh, the Winterbottom and Railway Stakes. So Terry, mm. before we finish up, I think I think we'll we'll because uh, of this 
Yeah, it's, ha- it's just too much happening. It's too much happening. Yeah. We're overawed by the occasion. So we'll, we'll again, we'll postpone our horses to follow. Naughty by nature. Whatever happened to's mm-hmm. and uh, top-notch else. trialers. Mm-hmm. I um, fell asleep during that one anyway. So okay. <laughs> 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 dig deep Monday. Dig deep. Oh. Yeah, dig deep trolling Monday. So come back a little fat, might need two trials, but um, – Carbine Club, Railway Stakes, though. Nominated for the winter bottom. You never know. Could be anything. Could be. Before we I had a dream last night that Dick Deep couldn't walk, actually. Really? Yeah, no, just oh, when I say couldn't walk, just just came back to the races and just couldn't get going. Finished second half of the field a couple of times. I actually just forgot about that dream. Really? Thanks for ruining my day, BJ. <laughs> so before we wrap things up on another episode well, I need of your best. the 1-1, yeah. Oh, sorry. Here we go. We need to – I was going to ask you, what is your Betfair best betting – proposition of the day your bet fair best my bet fair best is without reason by uh by a long way like the dutch in the last but it's um it's barely even money so it's not very exciting so without reason bj four bucks is just a uh that's a gary get on gary get on mm, Gaz. all right for me my best is indian pacific in the crawford stakes in the, in the james in the james mm. in the alabama slammer uh indian pacific brad parnham never think that's parnham. um sorry <laughs> I was going to say, you think he'll grace the uh, the grace the Ricky? I was a Ricky Grace. Child. I was just I was going to go for a few more. I was probably Scott Fishering for a laugh there, though, wasn't I? So. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? The big fish. Mm. Now, yeah, Indian Pacific could be a big fish heading towards the features, including races such as the Winterbottom Stakes. I think he's going to uh, perhaps announce himself as uh, the real deal on Saturday with a victory in the Crawford Stakes. And who's your uh, who's your Luke Longley shot for the day, BJ? Also known as your Maddie. My Maddie. Uh, really surprised by my knowledge of uh, what are they mid nineties Wildcats? Yeah, well that's yeah. everyone's sort of yeah, knowledge. Yeah, I stopped bang, watching it? it. I stopped watching it a long time ago. For those who are just tuning in for the first time, if uh, if you're twenty one dollars plus, that's twenty to one in the old, you qualify for a Maddie. Tough going finding one on Saturday at this stage. But I'm gonna, I'm in a bit of a Neville Parnham vortex at the mm. moment. I went for Indian Pacific and KC in the features, mm. so it uh, I might as well keep that theme rolling. My Maddie, race four, number nine, over there, currently fifty-one dollars. <laughs> over there, might be might be even bigger. I don't reckon that's a very strong race mm. over there on the quick backup. Didn't mind his run behind Truly Great last Saturday or her run behind Truly Great last Saturday. Um, ex- expecting her to enjoy getting back to Ascot, firmer going. I, don't, I reckon over there can run a cheeky race at a big price. All right. Well, that is. I didn't didn't say that. Is that going. crazy? That is. That is. Or insanity. That's that's borderline. Uh, yeah, that's borderline Greyland style <laughs> stuff. Get the man a straitjacket. Uh, look, I think this will start even longer on the day, but um, we're going to go to the feature race with a lot of speed. As I said, lots of different ways this race could uh, end up being run, but uh, Media Baron gets the 1400, gets the fitness, gets Paul Harvey, the who pond. the horse flies for. And um, and last week, oh, sorry, in the Blackheart Bart Stakes, a uh, yeah, fortnight ago, was on the uh, the quicksand part of the track as well. So I think I just think Media Baron's a horse that um, that could come to the party when it, in regards to to stepping up and being a bit of a, a lightweight, um, big price railway stakes type horse. So Media Baron, but I reckon we'll get better than the twenty six bucks uh, he currently is. All right, Terry, that brings another episode of the one one to a close. How about you take it out as you always do. 
Well, once again, uh, once again, I've thorough. First of all, I've thoroughly enjoyed my um, my couple of hours with you, BJ, as we do every week. So just just thank you for uh, for coming along, and uh, just just thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm thank trying you, to say this with a straight face, but I'm uh, I'm finding it difficult. But uh, now we need to thank uh, Mr. Sir, uh, Mister, no, just Sir William Pike uh, for coming on. That was uh, incredible insight. Uh, a lot of fun. He was a good sport with us, and um, yeah, I, uh, I we can only uh, wish him the best this weekend, and he's uh, to continue to uh, keep doing WA proud. I'm bloody bloody losing my words here. I'm that's um, overawed. I'm talking about like an hour, just a little battling podcast. Our, our mate William Pike. Oh, just also one thing we we never thank our producer Jen, and uh, she does an amazing job with all the stuff ups um, and uh, and the background noise when uh, when we got people with the high pressure hose at. Uh, at Ascot uh, in our ears. So um, thank you to Jen for everything she does for us. Um, thank you to Betfair. We don't probably thank them enough. Um, make sure we all continue to gamble responsibly. And until next week on the 1-1. One, one.